Good morning, it's DJ and PK at 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the Utah Jazz get a win. They beat the San Antonio Spurs and look good doing it. Give them an A-plus for that first half. 60 points at the half. They weren't turning the ball over. They had like two or three turnovers at halftime. They were getting buckets in transition. They were getting open shots out of the half-court offense. They only gave up 43 points in the first half. Didn't give up a three-pointer. They weren't fouling. They weren't sending the Spurs to the free throw line. A lot of things going right. Got a little loose in the second half, but... You know, it's hard to keep a team down by 20 the whole game. They were never in danger, really, of losing it. Spurs got it down to 14, and Joe Ingles hit a big three, and Spurs got it down to 12, and somebody else, I think Forrest maybe, somebody hit a bucket. So it wasn't a perfect second half, but it was good enough, and the Jazz get a win, and then they get a little help in the playoff race. The Lakers, without LeBron James, whose ankle is still bothering him, so he's out of the lineup, they go out and beat the Denver Nuggets. So the Jazz are now four games up on the Nuggets and four games up on the Clippers. And there's only seven games to go. So for those of you wondering, hey, are the Nuggets going to catch the Jazz? Can the Jazz fall to two? Can they fall to three? Well, the race for one-two with Phoenix is still very much up in the air. But Denver is now four games back with seven to go. Now, the Jazz have to play the Nuggets Friday. If the Nuggets win that, they'd be three back. But can the Jazz take care of business on either side of that? Can they... Beat the Spurs again on Wednesday and can beat the Rockets on Saturday on the second night of a back-to-back. And the Rockets aren't very good. They traded their whole team away, and there's been some losing going on there. So you got a chance to pick up wins on either side. The Jazz need to go 4-3 and three in the last seven, even if they lose to Denver. If they win the games on either side, they'd only need to go 2-2 two and two in the last four games to stay in the top two. So for whatever that's worth, however important that is to you, uh, they've certainly they've got a chance to get the one seed. I would think Phoenix is healthier and would have the better uh, the better shot at that. But they got more road games and they got a back to back coming up. So there are things that could go wrong for the Suns. I think as we see with the Nuggets and we've seen this with the Jazz too. You can be good and you can dominate for a long stretch, but at some point you're human and you're going to mess stuff up. You know the Jazz won nine in a row and they won nine in a row again and they won eleven in a row. But they didn't win. They didn't win fifteen or twenty in a row. You know, at some point, stuff just goes wrong, and it went wrong for the Nuggets at the uh, worst possible time. Other than Jokic, no one could score. Of course, you could say for the Lakers, other than AD, no one could score. That game ended up ninety three eighty nine. That was a low scoring game, kids. That's what NBA basketball looked like in the nineties. That was normal. So this is more fun. I, I I enjoy the game the way it's gone and all the three point shooting and all that. Enjoyed a lot more. So. And, of course, it's always more fun when your team wins. So the Jazz get the win, and they're half game in front of the Suns, but uh, they're four games up now on the Clippers and four on the Nuggets, and then it's ten games back to the Lakers. So, all right, we're going to take a break. Uh, When we come back, we're going to talk some college football with A-Rod. Aaron Roderick, offensive coordinator at BYU, and we will talk with him coming up next. And then we've got the best... Of the Jazz Post Game Show. We'll get all the best uh, post game comments from the guys coming up after that. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 
DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, and it's time to welcome back Aaron Roderick to the show, BYU football offensive coordinator. Aaron, good morning. Good morning. What's going on? Well, I mean, PK and I are just going through the, the normal humdrum drudgery of our lives. You, on the other hand, private jets, red carpets, caviar, I assume. How was the NFL draft? Hey, private jets, the NFL put us on the worst flight itinerary you could ever imagine, okay? It was like, <laughs> it was the trip, the trip home was like the, it was just, yeah, it was a day of hell, pure hell. It was like the, they're punishing us after a good time. <laughs> Explain what was going on. They, I don't know, they just put us on a really tough flight itinerary. We flew, we flew on a packed plane from, from, uh, from the draft from Cleveland to Dallas and then Dallas to Salt Lake, both planes were packed. It was just, it was, uh, it was like each, every gate was as far as you could possibly walk at the far reach of the airport. It was just one of those days where we had a really good time. And then the trip home was like, man, is this worth it? Well, I want to know when Zach uh, told you you were going, did he call you on your, on his Verizon phone while you listened to your, Bose headphones and ate food on your Traeger grill, and this guy's pipping more things. Well, not I was gonna say pipping more things than anybody I know, but that's not true. I know some other guys who pip a lot of stuff, but uh, <laughs> this guy is taking the capitalism right off the bat. How cool is that? Yeah, his I guess uh, I guess his agents have been pretty aggressive with that. He, he's he's clueless about it, all that. He's just like they're they're just doing it for him. That's what they do, you know. He's, he's, uh, it's funny, all the social media stuff, he's not doing any of that. I don't, I don't, it's all, it's all the, those people that he's hired to, to, uh, take care of it for him. So I'm curious, uh, with the Jets, are they going to have enough around them that we're going to get a fair evaluation of him as an NFL quarterback? Uh, Second-year GM, first-year head coach, there's no track record to go on. I know people want to look at the Jets and say, man, it's been a decade of futility. That's why they have a second-year GM and a first-year head coach. It has been a decade of futility. What kind of, what kind of shot is he going to have with the people around him? I don't know. That that's that that is the million dollar question, you know, um, cuz I I felt like a big reason why he played so well last year was how much better the play around him was. Um we we were executing much better last year than we had in years prior and it obviously it gave him a chance to look good. And I mean, he played great. But it's a lot easier to play well when you're running the ball and you got good receivers and you know, just everything we were third year in the offense, and so those things go hand in hand for a quarterback for sure. And um, it looked to me like they did a good job in the draft. I, you know, I just have happened to see that that offensive lineman from USC. I've seen him play a lot. We played against them. Just knew of him from having a lot of close proximity to the Pac-12 and a lot of players in that league. And I think he's going to be a really good pro. That receiver they took from Ole Miss is really good. Love that guy. I've watched him a lot. Um, we've we've watched a lot of Ole Miss film the last couple years or last year, uh, last couple months, I should say. Um, they're good. That that guy's really good. So, and then they finished the season strong last year. I think there's still some. There's a solid core there. I think the core is a little better than maybe maybe you think. Um, 
And then, the, you know, the new staff, you just hope they can get some momentum and put a good team around him. I know there'll, there'll still be some pieces moving in, here and there, but it's it's hard to look good if you don't have a good team around you, and um, that is a tough place. It's, this is a this is a tough tough assignment for sure. I'm, we're all really excited for him, but I'm very realistic about the fact that he's up against the really really tough circumstances. So, what we could tell is that three coaches, the Satakis and you from BYU, Coach Care from Corner Canyon, and then John Beck, I think, was there, and pretty much I think. Zach's entire family was there, as far as I could tell. Uh, was that normal? Were you able to figure out? Did did everybody have that many guys representing them with them? And how cool was it that he invited all these people uh, who weren't family who helped him along the way? Yeah, it was really cool. We um, we went to dinner the night night before, and uh, just you know, I think all of us felt just kind of honored to be a part of it. I think um, I was looking around the table while we were eating dinner and just felt like, you know, first of all, I'm really fortunate to coach a player like Zach. Um, you know, he, he definitely made me look good. And, um, you know, I'm sitting there at that table and looking at, you know, his dad did a great job just being a good parent. And his dad uh, gave him a lot of – coached him when he was a kid and gave him a lot of opportunities to be a good player. And then he, he played for an awesome high school coach. Um, obviously, Kalani, uh, the chance to play for Kalani, I think, was a big part of Zach's success because Kalani wanted to be great on offense and gave us the uh, gave us the green light to be super aggressive. And then and then obviously I uh, I really like John Beck a lot. We have a good relationship, and it was just fun. And Bessie got our receivers playing so well this year. Anyway. It was just fun to be sitting there and thinking how everybody at this table had a small piece in in this, and it was just sort of felt like one of those things where it's like a real privilege to be a part of it and be associated with a player like Zach, who was so great and and yet as good as he is, he he wanted he wanted a little piece of what everybody at that table had to give him. He just he's he's always hungry for more. He wants to learn. He wants to get better. He wants criticism and. Um, it was it was just a good time. It was a good feeling. So it's always interesting when guys go off to the NFL. Obviously, they're really busy, and they've got things to worry about with their career and their team and how things are going. But you do want those guys to stay available to you know help the old alma mater recruit and all that kind of stuff. How does that work? How do you ride that fine line so uh, whatever impact they have on recruiting, they can have it, but you don't bug them and wreck the relationship in the long term, too? Um, yeah, there's really not a whole lot that needs to be done directly or can be done, really. It's it's more just the, the fact that, you know, when you have players drafted and you have success, it just tends to breed a little bit more of the same. More players are attracted to that and want to come. And uh, the Utes have been doing it for a long time. They've had a good run of, of draft picks, and then, it just kind of continues, and that's we want to build on that momentum and keep it going. But you don't actually need um, you don't actually need much more than you don't need a whole lot of involvement from those guys. You just it's it's more just the momentum and the and the notoriety that comes with it that uh, you know that, that hopefully keeps fueling more of it. I think you know in our case we're always going to sort of get who we get in recruiting in some ways. It's never going to change 
entirely, but it definitely does send a great message to a lot of the you know good players that fit our um, fit our school and fit our program. That hey, you can be a first round draft pick or or a third round draft pick or a sixth round draft pick. You can get drafted and playing here. You don't have to go to you don't have to go to LSU or Clemson or something like that to to be a high draft pick. So one of the things we were discussing is the five guys drafted and seven free agent signings. How much does it validate the 11-1 season? Because it was somewhat controversial because the schedule didn't include any of these power fives and all that. We've been over that a million times. So how much do you think this recent draft with the signings and drafts validates how good the team was last year? Yeah, I mean, I, I've kind of give, I've kind of like, uh, you know, I'm just over trying to validate. <laughs> with it's hard to go 11 and one. It's I don't care who you play, it's hard. Uh, you look at all the years that, all the years that this market, this the fans in this market were watching WAC or or Mountain West football, right? That that went on for a long, long time. How many 11 and one teams were there in that his, in all those years? There there weren't very many, and and. Uh, so, um, for eleven and one or better, you know, not not very many times. And so, anyway, I'm I'm kind of done doing that. But I do. I was really happy for all those guys that got drafted, and and I think that uh, several of the free agents are going to have a great chance to make it. Uh, Matt Bushman, in general, or in specific, I think uh, Bushman had a really devastating injury last year and wasn't able to play. And I think that that injury is such a you know. It's, it's an Achilles injury that's more serious than like an ACL or something. And I think that, um, you know, people are a little hesitant on him, but he's going to the Raiders. And I don't know if you guys know, but John Gruden coach Chad Lewis, he was his tight ends coach. He was actually his position coach with the Eagles. Uh, John Gruden also loved Doug Jolly, who had a great career with the Raiders. Um, I, I know that Gruden sort of has a soft spot for BYU tight ends. And um, I, I think Bushman's going to get a great opportunity there to make that team. And there's no doubt in my mind he's good enough. It's, it's, I don't know where his health is right now. I haven't seen him. He did pro day. He did most of the things on pro day and looked good to me. Um, but he's a guy that I think will make it in that league if, um, you know, if, if things go well for him. I, he's got a great chance. Would, wouldn't be surprised at all if he plays a long time. So do you see more NFL talent on the BYU roster and a chance to back it up? I mean, no one can predict five draft picks. It's uh, it's a fine line between being a seventh-rounder and being an undrafted free agent. So not to hold you to a specific number, but do you in general see the depth of potential pros on the roster still? Yeah, we've, we've got a lot of good players. And, um, you know, I, I I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I, that, that's the fun thing about this is, you know, the me- the, the message to – our team and specifically that I've been talking to our offense about is okay. We lost all these good players. Now everybody thinks we're going to suck. And, uh, so, you know, that the challenge to our current players is, you know, what are they going to do? What are they going to do about it? And are we going to show up and play or are we going to go back to being seven and six again? And, and that's, that's a fun, that's why you play, man. That's, that's the, that's the competitive nature of this. But, um, I like the, raw material that we have to work with right now we've got we've got more offensive linemen that i think are are are, uh gonna just pick up where we left off and we've got some good skill players and 
I like the pool of quarterbacks, and, and you know, we're going to be good on defense again. It's just a little bit different team, but um, still a lot of good players returning. Our running backs both back. So there's there's some good players there that, you know, if, if they go out and do it on the field, then that's where the NFL opportunities come from. You know, the, the last team that had five draft picks went 12-2. and two. That was the, two, the 2001 team was 12-2. and two. And it's no no surprise that the following spring in that draft, five guys get drafted and several more went as free agents. And several of those guys had, had really good pro careers. Um, Doug Jolly was one of them that I just mentioned. You know, there was there were a couple other guys on that on that team that had had good pro careers. And um, so the opportunities usually come from winning a lot of games. And that's that's what I want our team focused on right now is win games and then then the cream will rise to the top, and that's how guys get chances at the next level. Is there a depth chart at quarterback? Um, not exactly, no. I, I, it's still open. Um, the Jaron Hall, Baylor Romney, Jacob Conover, we're going to battle. Those three guys are going to battle in fall camp. Um, Sol Jay is in the mix, uh, you know, I haven't completely eliminated him yet, but he's just a just a notch behind those other three guys right now. Um, still think he has a lot of promise in the future. He's a very dynamic athlete. He's just, um, but we're going to go into fall camp with those three guys initially, and then we'll we'll work we'll work pretty quickly to narrow that down. I, I have a pretty good idea how I'm going to how I'm going to create the competition. I, I've got a good plan for that. I've already communicated clearly with our defense and with Kalani about um, how we're going to get that done and mostly just involves playing a little bit more 11-on-11 football than you usually would in the early parts of camp. But I think I think our with our system being well-established offensively and defensively, I think we can get to that pretty quickly. So obviously the O-line is taking a hit here with the draft and the uh, the undrafted free agents and all that. There was clearly a lot of talent there. Do you feel like you not only have the high-end talent but the, the depth to handle what you're about to face? Yeah, you know, depth is always, a, is always the biggest question for us. At least it has been in this uh, independence, you know, era playing P5 teams. We, we usually can feel the – a starting 11 on each side of the ball that can play with, you know, with any of the teams on our schedule. And then, you know, the story of a couple of the years where we, you know, didn't finish like we wanted to was we get a little banged up and sometimes the backup guys aren't quite, quite there yet. I think this team is, is deep. Um, you know, you mentioned offensive line, the, you know, we're going to be starting some guys this year that played a ton last year, whether they were listed as starters or not, we were, we went 10 deep last year, and we had so many big wins that those guys got to play a lot. And some of them played a lot anyway. Uh, you know, Blake Blake Freeland, for example, he started games for the last two years for us, and he's going to take over at left tackle for Brady. Um, he's six foot nine, and has started. He's a super athlete. He was state champ in the shot put and was a good basketball player. Um, He's going to play left tackle, and he's played a lot of games for us the last year, so I don't really even view him as a new guy, even though he's taken over for a third-round draft pick. And and uh, Harris Lachance is going to start at right tackle for us, and 
same thing. He's played a lot of football the last couple of years, and he's six foot eight and also super athletic. Um, and I, I expect a lot from both of those guys, and technically they weren't starters last year. So um, they started on and off over the last two years, but they weren't every game guys like Brady and and uh, Chandon Herring, you know. But and then Joe Tukuafu is another one. I mean, he started about five games last year. He, I. I I expect him to find a way to be a starter this year, and um, if he's not, it's because it's because Connor Pay beat him out, and Connor Pay is another one who wasn't considered a starter last year, but played played in a lot of games and has a really bright future as well. So I'm uh, really confident about the offensive line, even though even though we just lost three guys to the NFL. I think I expect there to be no drop off, and um, you know, with our running backs. As good as they are, I think we should be able to pick right up where we left off, at least in that in that part of our offense. We should be solid. How does it work with the Nakua brothers? I don't know that they're enrolled in school. What are you allowed to do as far as interaction with them? Yeah, they can start. They So they're starting up with us here shortly. Um, some with this spring semester coming up, they can start, and they can start working out with our team. So okay. they will be getting going here real short, real soon. So when you look at the schedule, I'm curious how much you can really figure out about these teams between players who may have opted out, between freshmen who uh, didn't really get a chance to shine, who will now be sophomores making an impact. You always have newcomers who can make an impact with the transfer portal. As far as opponents, are you flying blind more than ever? A little bit, especially with Arizona, our first opponent. Um, they had a coaching change. And my understanding, so first of all, with the coaching change, we're watching Michigan film because the defensive coordinator came from Michigan. So we're, we're learning the scheme by watching Michigan film. We're trying to learn the personnel by watching Arizona film. But, you know, as you watch the film, it's like, well, that guy's not there anymore. That guy's not there anymore. This guy transferred. So it's kind of hard. You're trying to sort out who's actually still playing on there for them, who's not. And then... Uh, they've gotten a number of transfers in. They got a DB from Notre Dame. They got another one, I can't remember from where, uh, that we were just talking about the other day. So then you're trying to figure out, okay, who's this guy and where is he likely to play in this scheme, in this Michigan scheme? It's, it's, kind, of a, it's kind of a guessing game a little bit, and I think our, our uh, defense is kind of in the same boat because uh, the head coach was in the NFL last year. He's, he's been in college football, and he was at UCLA not that long ago, but it's a little bit of a guessing game what they're going to do. So, yeah, there's there's a lot to it there. Um, and there's more turnover than ever before in college football. And it's uh, it's time to just stop complaining about it and just embrace it and deal with it because it's how it is. And so you can't have any excuses for it and can't say, oh, we don't know what's going to happen or who we're going to have or who they're going to have. You just got to get ready to play. And um, – so we're mostly focused on ourselves and just making sure we're squared away and we know what we're doing, and then we'll do the best we can to be ready for, for Arizona. But the answer that was a long, long answer. But yeah, it's it's an issue. As I understand it, uh, recruiting gets back to normal in June. Is everybody going to have a ton of guys on campus? Is that how it's going to work? I think so. Yeah, it seems like it. You know, we're still not able to go back out on the road, so. Normally, the month of May would just be constant travel for college coaches. You'd be out the whole month, pretty much. 
Um, just getting all around the country trying to see your prospects, uh, evaluate them. And then, but they're, they're still not allowing that, but what they are allowing in June, they're allowing guys to visit your campus. And so with, uh, you know, shoot a whole year of nothing, I think pretty much every, every school is going to have guys visiting almost every day in June. It's going to be, it's going to be a busy month for sure, but we're really looking forward to it. I, I think every college coach is looking forward to that because, um, recruiting can become a grind and it's, it's, um, you know, some, in some ways it's my least favorite part of the job, but in other ways I, you know, I really enjoy, I enjoy the process of trying to project what a young guy is going to be in several years. And, um, Sometimes you get it wrong, sometimes you get it right, but I, I like that going through that process. And um, I really felt for the kid, the high school guys in these last couple classes who didn't get the chance to get recruited the normal way. I think there's a lot of good players that are getting overlooked or uh, maybe not ending up uh, at the level that they belong. And so um, I, I just, I'm happy for the these younger classes that are coming up now. Hopefully we can get back to normal for them and they can have more opportunities. Well, hey, Rod, we appreciate a little bit of time, and uh, I can tell you because I had family in Cleveland for a while, not anymore. There's no easy way to fly in and out of Cleveland. There's no directs. We get spoiled learned, in Salt Lake. We get directs everywhere. It just doesn't happen. I learned that the hard way. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know. Dallas, that, that's rough, though. That's way out of the way. Usually you just get to fly to Detroit or something. Cincinnati, yeah. maybe. We went, through, we went through Chicago on the way there and Dallas on the way home. That was a treat. <laughs> but all worth it, though. We had a great time. It was fun. Well, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it, and uh, look forward to talking to you as we get closer to the season. Yeah, guys. Go Jazz. See ya. (laughs) Aaron Roderick, BYU football offensive coordinator. Join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. There's Aaron Roderick, BYU offensive coordinator. When we come back, the best of the Jazz postgame show. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz get the W. They take down the San Antonio Spurs. Now they got to do it again Wednesday night. But they look good doing it uh, Monday night. That was a, a strong performance from the Jazz. They were dialed in right from the get-go. They got up 5 nothing, and Spurs called timeout and never really got back in the game. The Jazz just kept pulling away. Here's the best of the postgame show. Time to recap a big win for the Utah Jazz. Jazz knock off the San Antonio Spurs tonight, 110-99. to Big night uh, for Rudy Gobert and Boyan Bogdanovich. Let's first start with Rudy. Rudy, uh, another double-double, uh, a pretty easy double-double, 24 points, 15 rebounds, two steals, three block shots. It's Look, it was a Rudy Gobert day at the office and afterwards talked about the big win over the Spurs. We'll go ahead and start. Uh, first up will be John Kuhn, AP. Rudy, you guys had a fantastic defensive effort in the first half, um, especially at, at the rim and on the perimeter. They, they didn't make any three-pointers. 
they didn't get a layup until the final minute of the second quarter. What allowed you to be so successful in those two specific areas and kind of limiting them to the mid-range? I think first off, we did a great job running back. You know, I don't think they they had a lot of transition transition points. Uh, communication was was really there. You know, everybody was talking, and um, and we rebounded. You know, we got we didn't give them much second point shots, and you know, you try to make them earn everything that they got. And uh, you know, I think uh, they hit a few tough shots. You know, but we know that it's a team, especially the Rosen, that uh, is good at hitting those tough contested twos, but uh you know we did a great job making them hard and uh and and get gain those rebounds when when you miss them. Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV is next. Rudy, it just felt like there was less hesitation, less indecision tonight on offense. Could you feel that? Definitely. I think you know we did a great job running. Uh and it started obviously with the defense, but Running, moving the ball, and uh, and uh, and finding the best shot, you know, almost every time. And when we play that way, it's uh, you know, it's really hard for the other team to guard us because we have so many so many weapons, and uh, and also we able to you know get good shots and and set our defense. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Rudy, you had that sequence in the first quarter where you kind of dissuaded two separate Spurs from getting a shot up on the fast break. And then you had that moment in the third where you blocked Johnson, he got the ball in the corner, you stopped him from getting a three, and then he turns it over out of bounds. Do moments like that kind of have kind of a cumulative effect, like both for you guys digging in defensively, but also for the other team's willingness to maybe attack you in certain situations? I mean, I think uh, definitely, you know, I think being able to, to have that tenacity, you know, and uh, when, when some guys push the ball and they think they're going to have an open layup and and all of a sudden they just get blocked or they see me and they think that it might might be better if they don't shoot. Uh, you know, I think it's a little demoralizing. And, uh, and for us, it does the opposite. You know, I think we, uh, we feed off that, you know, and... Anytime there is a play like that, whether it's me or anyone else, you know, uh, it's a momentum play. And, you know, we have a team that kind of plays, you know, with momentum. And, you know, it's always uh, great for us to, to, to feed off the energy. Uh, Tony Jones, The Athletic, is next. Rudy, how important is it for you guys uh, collectively as a, root, as, as a group to be playing well? Uh, once the playoffs start? I mean, really important because we have very high goals and expectations, you know, so we know that uh, the next seven games uh, is going to be one game at a time and it's going to be uh, about keep getting better and better and, 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 you know, keep having our habits and our foundation, especially defensively, uh, so when the playoff comes, you know, we don't have, we're probably going to have to raise our level, but uh, we're already going to be, you know, having been used to play with a high level of intensity and uh, and be able to play with a high level of, of, of intensity offensively, you know, and stay poised and stay unselfish, keep moving the ball and finding the, you know, the best shots every time. So it's, you know, for us, we, you know, I don't think we, 
in a hurry to get in the playoffs. I think we just want to make sure that first of all we get healthy. You know, we get our guys back, and uh, and uh, for every single game until the end of the season, whoever is on is on the floor, um, make sure we play jazz basketball, and you know, and that we carry over to the playoffs. So there's Rudy Gobert after the Jazz get the 110 to 99 victory. Let's hear from Boyan Bogdanovich. Big night from him as well. 25 points, three rebounds, 10 of 17 from the field, two of seven from three, and he talks about a huge win. Okay, we'll start with Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Boyan, when Royce gets a couple of quick steals, Rudy's playing pretty hard on transition transition defense. Are those kind of plays contagious early in the game and it gets kind of everyone wanting to be committed on the defensive end? No, exactly. The first the first minute we show how we're gonna how we're gonna play tonight. Early steal three from from Royce. Once again, great defense when we are those two places that you say are giving us giving us enormous energy, especially in the beginning of the game. But but once again, when we play defense like we played tonight, we're gonna have a we're gonna be in a game and have a chance to win the game against anybody. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Boyan, what most contributes to a defensive night like you have tonight? They didn't get a shot at the rim until like there was a minute left in the first half, and I know part of that is by design of them just shooting in the mid-range all the time, but you guys were incredibly effective in, in guarding the rim and guarding the three-point line for most of the night. What, what kind of, you know, puts you guys over the top in that regard? I mean, we were, we were aggressive in a, in a pick and roll, small, small, small. We didn't allow them to to play and, and, and have a matches that they won. We struggled last year against them. They had a, they hit a lot of, a lot of mid-range jumper. We know that it's that is their big, big strength, and they are one of the best teams in the league shooting mid-range jumpers, especially the Rosen and, and, and Murray. So, so we were we were great contesting contesting those shots, and and whenever they they went by us, Rudy Rudy was there. Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Bogey, offensively, you guys just seem to play with no hesitation. Um, zero indecision. What goes into that, and how do you keep that going? I mean, we are trying to kind of keep freely, play freely offensively, especially we miss those guys. So we're trying to play to play a little bit faster because we can we can struggle when we are playing five five against five against without without Donovan Donovan and Mike. So we are playing really aggressive every every single every single guy. Trent is doing great job once again. Big three, big three in a in a clutch, and and then he was he was good defensively as well. So we are playing just just freely and and, and aggressively. Uh, Ryan McDonald, Deseret News. Boy, on this is kind of silly, but uh, last season a lot of some of you guys were uh, pretty vocal about the yellow jerseys, not liking the yellow jerseys. Um, this year, I don't know if you care, but this year you guys have gone undefeated in the yellow jerseys. Do you care about that at all? I know some of the guys did last season. I don't care, honestly. I didn't even know that, that they complained, complained last year. But if, if you are undefeated, let's, let's save those jerseys for the, for the playoffs. 
Final on this one, 110-99. You've heard from Rudy Gobert. You've heard from Boyan Bogdanovich. Now time to hear from the head coach of the Utah Jazz, Quinn Snyder. He addresses the media as the Jazz get it done over the Spurs. We will jump in. Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV up first. Hey, Coach. Well, there are a lot of positives about this one tonight. The energy, the steals, the way you guys move the ball. What impressed you most? Well, I think you just named a few of them. I thought our activity on defense, um, especially early, which created some deflections and some opportunities um, on the offensive end. And we played with the pass, you know, particularly right now. That's something that's that's really important for us, um, given our personnel. And, uh, again, I, I thought Trent did an excellent job, you know, coming in. Um, Mie did a good job, you know, during his minutes. And we had a lot of guys that contributed a lot of different ways and, you know, collectively on the defensive end as well. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Quinn, San Antonio for a time was attacking almost exclusively in the mid-range area. And yet you guys outscore them by 20 in points in the paint. Uh, they shoot just 7 of 20 at the rim. Can you just speak to the job that Rudy in particular was doing kind of in having an impact on their ability to score from close range? Yeah, that that's a tricky one um, because, you know, last year when you've got really good mid-range shooters, um, there's a tendency, you know, we don't want to try to just give up mid-range shots. You know, we want to make them hard. Um, I think they broke an NBA record last year. Um, from mid-range. So, uh, although, you know, we'd rather give up a mid-range than the rim, um, you know, the times I thought that Rudy and Fabe were actually up as well um, to contest those shots was was really important. And that means, you know, our other guys got to scramble and, and get rebounds. So, um, that was something we felt like, you know, was important. Um, DeRozan in particular is as good a mid-range player as there is in the game. And DeJounte Murray can really get to his made brain shot. And, you know, that's something they do very well. So you have to be aware of it um, and not just concede those shots. Uh, Tony Jones, The Athletic. Coach, do you guys, uh, do you feel like you guys are, are are finding ways to find a rhythm, playing without, um, playing without Mike and Donovan, you know, knowing, you know, which lineups to use just as a coach and, you know, are, are you guys finding a rhythm on the floor uh, without those without those guys? You know, I, I think the rhythm is to just play the way we play and, you know, and to really defend. So regardless of who's out there, we've had, you know, different different lineups, different guys have played at various times. And, you know, I think everybody that's come in the game has had that had that mindset. Um, you know, one of the most important things for us is is to keep the ball moving. Um, so that we don't play against, you know, a lot of full court pressure. And, and that's something that, you know, requires everybody to really be alert, um, you know, and to get off the ball at the appropriate time. David James, KUTV. Coach, you had 60 points at the half. They were barely getting 20 points a quarter. You didn't have many turnovers. They didn't have any threes. They weren't shooting many free throws. What does halftime sound like when things are going that well? Well, I think one of the challenges in, in any game, I mean, you watch NBA games and, you know, the 20-point leads are 
taken away all the time, especially early in the game. So the emphasis, I think, is is on continuing to do um, what you do um, and understanding that the other team is going to come out, um, you know, w- with energy and, and potentially adjustments and, you know, play a different way and to be able to react to that. I, I thought there were, there were times when we did that and there were times when uh, we weren't as efficient. Obviously, we, we turned the ball over more in the second half. Um, the game slowed down a little bit and, um, you know, we made some, we made some mistakes that we weren't making in, in the first half. And, you know, I thought it showed, but as you said, it's, you know, it's difficult to play with a lead like that. And, and you know, they're a team that you know, continues to compete throughout the whole game. And, you know, it forces you to make sure you're, if you're not doing the same, you know, you're going to find yourself in a close game. Sarah Todd, Deseret News. When you had two quick steals from Royce in that first quarter and also, you know, a pretty big transition defense possession from Rudy in the first quarter, do you feel like defense or like a defensive energy or commitment early in the game can be contagious for other players? Yeah, I mean, I I think it's really a collective mindset. And, you know, generally with someone, someone's doing a good job, you know, on the ball, having a presence, you know, that makes the pass a little harder. Maybe there's a different angle. Um, you know, so all those things, you know, regardless of who comes up with a steal, um, that's really important, you know, and it's something um, that, you know, we've done at times and, and we haven't done as good a job at times. And uh, it's really important to us to, to get off to a good start. And, and, you know, if it means, you know, making plays off our defense and getting easy opportunities, that's that's even better. All right, last question, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Quinn, you gave Mieoni a chance in kind of that 10th man role. Ersan's played there, Jarrell's played there the last couple of games. Is that rotation? Is that experimentation? Is that depending on who you're playing against? Kind of what is that? I think it's more matchup oriented. You know, part of this is, you know, all those guys have contributed, you know, at various points in the year. You know, obviously, um, Mie's played that role um, more when we've had our team healthy, um, you know, again, in different matchups dic- dictate different things. Uh, you can go into a game, you know, thinking you're going to play a certain way and that can change, uh, in the second half, um, it can change with foul trouble and, you know, it can change if someone comes in and, you know, is making shots or making plays at that tonight, Mie on the offensive glass and, and a few really key loose balls, um, so there's lots of ways to contribute. And, you know, I think, you know, those guys all understand that, you know, at any given time that, that they're, you know, they can be called on and even a three minute period can, can really have an impact on a game. And, you know, you understand that, that, that at times um, that's not the easiest thing, you know, players like to have um, longer stretches and sometimes that's not the case. And, having the right frame of mind that whatever's called on you for however long to come in and and make an impact on the game. Oftentimes that means you, you know, you get to stay in and play more. That is the head coach of the Utah Jazz, who's now got a lot of confidence in Trent Forrest. Played 21 minutes last night, had nine points, uh, and I had, did not turn the ball over either. Zero turnovers, four rebounds, and uh, three of five from the field. And here's a guy who's obviously very excited about his opportunities, but started out talking about some impressive Rudy Gobert defense. First question tonight will come from David James, KUTV. 
Trent, I'm curious how many guys you've played with who can uh, stop a two-on-two fast break just by standing in the paint and looking at people the way Rudy did in the first half. <laughs> no, it's not many, not many at all, actually. <laughs> it's really crazy how, I mean, how good Rudy is defensively. Um, I mean, obviously coming in my first year, I, I knew Rudy was a good defensive player, but seeing it up close is it's really crazy how much he can change a game. <laughs> All right, next question, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Trent, the shot chart that the Spurs had in the first half was just crazy. You know, they didn't get a, a basket at the rim until the last minute before halftime. Just kind of what was the, the game plan to shut them down so effectively? Um, I mean, for us, we knew they were a heavy mid-range team. So, um at least for our bigs, we wanted them to be up a little bit and then kind of contest at the rim. But we were doing a good job of getting over and forcing them into into those mid-range shots and being able to contest. So, I mean, they weren't even getting the chance to kind of get to the rim. Um, I mean, I don't think it would have made much of a difference with them going down there at Rudy and Fave. So, I mean, we just did a good job contesting a lot of their mid-range shots. Uh, next, we have Sam Farnsworth, KSL. Hey, Trent, um, 21 minutes tonight, you've clearly been gaining the, the trust and confidence of your coaches, Coach Snyder. How has that helped you in your own confidence or has it added maybe a little more pressure knowing that they're turning to you more often or maybe is it a little bit of both? Um, I would say more confidence, honestly. Um, I mean, just coming here since I've been here, they've, I mean, been working with me and I feel like with me, Knowing that he has the trust in me, I feel like that gives me a lot of confidence because, I mean, I had to really work and just lock in since I've been here to gain these opportunities. So I look at it more as confidence, if anything. All right, Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Trent, um, I'm wondering what the transition and development has been like for you on the defensive end, um, for specifically in the NBA. And if there are things on that end that you can ask guys like Mike or Royce that can help you along. Yeah, no, I ask Mike and Royce a lot of questions <laughs> all the time about defense. So um, it's just little different things I like to pick up from them, um, whether it's how to guard a certain guy playing pick and roll or um, going back to even the Toronto game. I, I found myself kind of getting stuck in between helping crack down or taking the big one's favor, Rudy goes over to help and kind of deciding if I need to take the big or stay in the corner to take away the three. So as soon as I came to the bench, I asked Mike. So it's just little things in game, even outside of the game that I might ask Royce or either one of those guys what they kind of see when they're in different situations. All righty. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune is next. Trent, just kind of a follow-up to that, how much of an adjustment is it to have Rudy out there knowing that you're kind of trying to funnel things to him and, and help out, you know, compared to – I'm sure that wasn't the case of Florida State. Yeah, no, it wasn't. But, I mean, I wouldn't say it makes our job easier, but, I mean, you know you have somebody back there that can help you kind of clean up a little bit. So, uh, like a guy like Royce, I, I see he's always kind of physical when he's guarding screens and when he's just guarding the person one-on-one. Um, I mean, it honestly just gives you confidence to play more physical defense because you know you kind of have somebody on the backside to help you. 
All right, and we have one last question. It's from Nio Campbell, utahjazz.com. Hey, Trent, just curious. Have you heard from your mom or college coaches regarding tonight's dunk? <laughs> I have. They both called me today before the game. Um, they was like, that was the only thing I was missing so far was a dunk. So I definitely had to get one tonight for my mom and my college coach. <laughs> So there you go. There's the final 110-99. Jazz get the W over the San Antonio Spurs. Jazz will be back in action tomorrow against the San Antonio Spurs. Back-to-back home games, back-to-back games against the Spurs. Game tips off at 7 o'clock. Pre-game show begins at 6 right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. There's the best of the post-game show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are coming up. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Clarkson ball fakes a three, penetrates, easy floater up and in. Just like he's strolling down the river walk in his hometown. Jordan Clarkson puts the Jazz up by 23. Upside Rudy Gay drives the baseline, throws it up top, Ingles steals it. Just yanked it out of the air. Now pushing, bullets it to Oni in the corner, topped in the yank, driving, lobbing, dunking Rudy Gobert. This time they connect. Bogdanovich driving on Pirtle, hard to the rack, beat him to the rim and scores it with a left hand coming from the right side on the far side of the basket. Clarkson driving to the lane, heavy pressure misses, and a finish by Rudy Gobert. And the Utah Jazz cruise past the San Antonio Spurs, 110-99. Gobert, 24 points and 15 boards. Bogey with a 25-point game. And PK, they took control early. Got a little sloppy in the second half, but with that big a lead, I think that's kind of to be expected. That was was a pretty comfortable win over the Spurs. Absolutely it was, yeah. Yeah, Just precisely what the doctor ordered. Now, if the doctor could just get a couple other players healthy... We might give that doctor a raise. <laughs> nice. Come on, Doc. Get her done. Jazz were up by 17 points at the half. It was 60 to 43. So this wasn't really a case of fatigue slowing the Spurs down. The Jazz just had them from the jump. And now you wonder, well, how good are the Spurs going to be given two days to regroup and come back at them? We all know the cliches about it's hard to beat a team. Twice when you play them close together and all that, and the Jazz could use another win, certainly another win like that. That felt uh, a lot better than anything we've seen out of them recently. I know of no cliche that you're talking about. I don't accept that under any circumstances. That's a bunch of BS. And certainly don't, certainly don't accept it Wednesday night. I don't accept it any Tuesday night, Monday night, you name it. I don't accept it. I never bought it. I don't buy it. If Minnesota can do something... Certainly you can do it, so no excuses as far as I'm concerned. First one who says that, I am going to – I'm just not going to be happy with them. The Spurs are two and a half games in front of the Pelicans in the race for the 10th spot, the last spot in that play-in deal, but they're only a game and a half out of eight, so they could be playing for the seventh spot if they can get it going here at the end of the year. Jazz and Spurs again tomorrow night. This one is scheduled for seven, thank goodness. I well, yeah, seven or eight doesn't matter to me. But uh, I want to see the Spurs in the playoffs because I want to see how long Popovich's hair can get. Absolutely. And if they're not on television, well, 
and we don't have the other guy at president, we're not going to hear Tra- uh, uh, Popovich very much. So, and I need to, I, man, I, I need to hear what he has to say. And plus, I need to see how long the hair is. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. LeVert tried to answer back with a three out front. No, Westbrook all the way up court. The Beal to the basket. Touchdown. Bacon score. Right hand. Touchdown. And Bradley Beal gives a touchdown signal with his arms. Wiggins left elbow. Tentative move to JTA. Quick pass to Draymond over to Curry. Curry fires away right side. Knocks down a triple. Now finds Carmelo Anthony. He's in front of Gallinari. Crosses over. Now pulls up. Three-pointer. Buries it. And the foul. Carmelo Anthony, the Hall of Famer, has just passed Elvin Hayes for 10th place on the all-time NBA scoring list. Lakers work at the clock. Horton Tucker, Davis, here he goes, leans in, got it! Big bucket by A.D. Big bucket by Anthony Davis. He had 25 points, and the Lakers' three-game losing streak is over. They get past the Denver Nuggets. 93-89. to 89. Jokic had 32 points and 9 rebounds, but it's a low-scoring game, PK, and there just weren't many guys to follow those guys and hit shots. So we end up with a score that looks like something out of the 1990s. So I'm unsure. Was that good news for the Jazz or bad news for the Jazz? I can't well, figure this stuff out. It depends on who you are. If you're someone who... If you're you and you want the Northwest Division title, I think that was very good news. For those of you following the Northwest Division race, the Jazz are now up by four games with seven to go. So you should be be feeling very good about the Northwest Division race. I have for months. But I'm talking about the playoff seeding. What does it matter? I'm I'm serious. I don't know what's good, what's bad. I I, I can't keep track now. I'm not willing to go ahead and try to break it down. I want some nerd like you or Locke to do it for me. Yeah. I think if you want the Jazz to be the one or the two seed, that was very good news. They have home court in the second round. That was good news because Denver did have a chance. Everything had to go right, but they had a chance to catch the Jazz, and clearly everything did not go right, and their odds of catching the Jazz went down big time. But are about the odds of facing the Lakers in the second round, did they go up? Uh, probably went down a little bit because the Lakers win and the Blazers lose. So well, it's a great night. So there's no negative. So the Hawks beat the Blazers 123-114. So if the Jazz are going to be the two seed, are the Lakers going to be the seven? And with that victory, the Lakers uh, were in a three-way tie for 5-6-7. But now they're, they're a half game in front of the Mavericks and a game up on the Blazers. The Lakers retook fifth place. There's a tweet out there. Maybe I can find it and retweet it. There's a tweet out there that a little little mini graphic of how many teams have bounced through each spot in the last three days, which is why your head is spinning trying to figure out who's in what spot. I don't follow you on Twitter, so you're going to have to tell me. Oh, man, that hurt. You care? (sighs) Desperately. Carmelo, 10th place all-time on the NBA scoring list, 27,000 points. That's a lot of points. He passed the big E, Elvin Hayes, but Portland gets beat by Atlanta. So, I don't know. Do you care who's in the top 10 on the scoring list, PK? How many other 10 can you name? I don't know that I can name them in order, but I could probably get most of them, I would think. Yeah. I don't care. Hit the biggest names in basketball, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all it is, right? Kareem and Carl. 
Michael Jordan and LeBron James. I'll take the easy ones, thanks. Leave you the rest. Russell Westbrook's latest triple-double for Washington guaranteed he will average a triple-double for the season for the fourth time in his career. He joins Will Chamberlain as the only players to tally multiple 20 assists, 20 rebound games. But if he's that awesome, PK, why are the Wizards 10th in the East? Granted, only a half game behind Oh, Indiana. they had COVID and blah, blah, blah. Okay. I mean, if Cuban wants the Mavs to get sixth place, we'll just win more games. But if this playing game is great. See, look at the Wizards. They had all these issues early, and now they're coming on strong. See, isn't it great? Depends on whatever argument you want to make. There is that. It does seem to have cut down on the number of games that people are tanking. The, the teams that are battling in those 6th through 11 spots, some of them might have folded their tents, but not this year. They seem to be competing to the end here. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Streaming to the NFL, inching closer and closer. The NFL announcing that Amazon Prime Video purchased the Thursday night package. It's going to take it over in 2022 instead of 2023. So one more year of Thursday night football on Fox, and then it's on to streaming for the Thursday night package. So i got to buy something else? If you're going to watch Thursday night football, uh, I think they have announced that for the, the teams that are playing in their markets, which won't impact us here, they'll put those games over the air. But, yeah, if you're hardcore and you want to watch Wait. a Thursday night game. Oh, so we don't have an NFL team in the market, but we have two baseball teams in the market? <laughs> hey, the rules are whatever help you make money, okay? <laughs> Follow the money, PK. I don't understand that. Yeah, if the if the Broncos play the Raiders in a Thursday night game. Oh, I get that. Yeah. I'm talking about why in baseball does baseball consider us having two teams? If you buy the baseball package, you can't get the Diamondbacks or Rockies on the baseball package. You right. can get them on the other on the whatever root sports so they've changed the right. name so many times, I don't know what it is. Yeah. You can get get it on that, just yep. the Rockies. You have to buy other stuff to like get the D backs, yeah, to, which yeah. I do, right? But in the NFL, we don't have any team in the market. Nope, I don't think so. Uh, uh, but how does I don't understand that? Well, because they want you to buy Amazon, yeah, but that was before Amazon started, it's yeah. been this way for a while, for as long forever. You don't have an answer for it. Just say you. Don't I think have an answer I don't it. think they want to give us a home team because they want us to buy Amazon, or they give us a home team like baseball did. I think that's the answer. Yeah, I know, but if I who if I wanted to watch the Diamondbacks, I would buy the extra innings. Giving us a home team actually decreases the opportunity to see it, not increases. I would spend more money on the baseball package. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I think baseball, they're trying to get you to buy the cable package because the Rockies get so much money from it. I think it's follow the money. I get okay, that but I can't get the Diamondbacks from it. Right, because they want you to buy the Rockies because this is the home market. But they consider, but yet they consider the Diamondbacks the home market too because if you buy the extra right. innings, you the Diamondback they, games are scrambled. Because they want you to buy that package. What package? You can't the get one, the freaking yes, package. The one that you buy by getting DirecTV. But that's only direct TV. What about all the other stuff? <laughs> the answer is follow the money, PK. Everybody's doing what they think is getting them the most money. 
then why wouldn't the NFL do the same thing then if they, if they can get the why wouldn't they put the Cardinals in our home book? And if it works for one to follow the money, why wouldn't it work for the other to follow the money? I realize we're going round and round and nobody cares, but there's no logical explanation. The Tom Brady impact, the effect, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers become the NFL's most popular merchandise seller in 2020. They were one, not the bottom, but they were near the bottom in 2019. A massive jump. They went from number 28 to number one. Yeah, well, they're cool. They won, and people wanted Tom Brady's jersey. Yeah, I mean, they're cool now. A lot of folks didn't even know who Bruce Arians was yep. and how he's this old codger who likes to swear and say off-the-cuff things. He's an East Coast dude, of course. And so when he was doing it with Arizona, even though they did get to one NFC uh, title game under him, he didn't have that exposure. But now in Tampa, he's got the exposure as much as he needs. And I view that most people think that, wow, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're the latest, coolest thing. I want to be a part of it. And Brady, obviously, is a massive factor. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. 2-2 pitch. Swung on, hit high and deep. Left field, forget about it. A towering homer to the second deck. Wow. In left field, JT Realmuto, a no-doubter. 1-2 pitch. And that ball is hit hard and deep. And that is gone. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. There's a moment for you. A three-run shot, and we're tied at five. Now the one-off pitch to Ramon is swung on a high fly ball to left. Hernandez going back at the track. He will turn and watch it fly. And well up into the seats and left. And Lariano has homered in back-to-back games. And the Athletics take a 5-3 lead. And the Athletics win that game 5-4. And Lariano's now homered in three games in a row. Looking at Oakland PK thinking, finally this is their year. Not just a playoff team. Look out. They've got the best record in the American League. I get it's half a game in or in May, but they got the best record in the American League after 30 games. They got the best record in the National League, too. 18 to 12, half a game better than, well, a whole bunch of teams. No, no team has 18 wins except for nope. the A's. Percentage points up on the Giants, Bay Area baseball. On top of the world in May. Yeah, got a shot. But. Long, long, long oh, way to go. Long way to go. Tyler Anderson had a no-hitter through six innings, and then in the seventh inning he gave up the hit that broke it up, and then the Padres end up scoring two runs on three hits in the inning, and they win the game two to nothing. Beat the Pirates from no-hitter to beaten just like that. It's weird how one day we've got 13 to 12 games and 10 Ten home runs in a game, and then we got an old-school pitcher's duel. One team with three hits and another with four, and a two-zip win for the Padres. That's what makes this sport the greatest. All over the map. You, hold, uh, you heard uh, Nolan Arenado with the home run there. St. Louis has won five in a row. They beat the Mets 6-5, to five, and the Mets fired. Chili Davis and Tom Slater, they're hitting coaches. They're out. They're not scoring enough runs. not hitting the ball. No, they're they're toast. Their big acquisition is sucking. Francisco Lindor. Hitting the big 163. 0 for 20. Can't fire him, so fire the hitting coach. 
Dodgers Dustin May undergoing season-ending Tommy John surgery. The damaged ulnar collateral ligament. So, he's out for at least a year. Sometimes these things run out into the 14-16 month range, so he may be out for a big chunk of next year as well. Young dude, so he'll have an opportunity to come back, but um, obviously it's a significant blow. Chicago White Sox center fielder, uh, is it Lewis Robert or Robert? Robert. 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 He'll be out 12 to 16 weeks. Complete tear of his right hip flexor. That sounds awful. It really does. First inning of the game, too. Jeez. Surgery could be uh, an option to repair the injury. They're still seeking medical opinions, the second and third option, and all that kind of stuff. So there you go. All right, there's the day in baseball. What is trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There is no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Matt Harpering, jazz analyst on the uh, AT&T broadcast, is going to join us at 8 o'clock. And Ryan Abraham, owner and publisher of USC Football. A little spring football tour here as we count down to the end of the NBA season. We'll look ahead to college football as well. We will talk with him coming up at 8.30 right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes or Toast brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. Cadillac owners may have changed, but the luxury hasn't. Come see the bold new lineup of Cadillac at Jerry Seiner Cadillac today. Question of the day, how nice is it to put a whooping on the Spurs? And PK, what? how hot a take can we get on this? Anybody believe that wasn't any fun? Oh, that kind of sucked. The well, I Jazz looks really good and won comfortably. You know, Spurs uh, tormented you for a long time, so it's it's different than putting a whooping on Portland, uh, for that matter. You know, there's uh, there's teams out there that really haven't stood in the way. Plenty of teams, actually. I mean, really, you look at the West. The only teams that legitimately over the years have stood in the way are the Lakers and the Spurs. Yeah, that combined 10 championships over the last 20 years will get your attention, won't it? I mean, the Warriors of late, but I don't think the Jazz were prepared to challenge them. They weren't even close to their level, as few teams were when the Warriors had it going on. And the Spurs still with Popovich, you know, he's hardcore and uh, very political and outspoken and all that stuff. Has a lot of criticism to a lot of different things, as we've heard. So I think the Spurs might have a little bit more extra luster. And do you, do you take any any solace in putting them away? Or was it those players are long gone and so it really doesn't matter? To putting putting uh, DeMar DeRozan away or Jakob Pertl away doesn't really hold the same amount of influence. Because it's interesting because I still think that putting the Lakers away – 
no matter who they are, they're the Lakers. <laughs> and that always feels good. Well, the Spurs pretty much did what the Lakers did. So is there that animus there that there's directed toward the Laker way? No. I think a lot of it comes down to what we talk about in the BYU-Utah rivalry. It's the fans that irritate the other fans. And I think we all know Laker fans. I don't think many of us know that many Spurs fans. If there was a geographical you know, proximity here, if there were a lot of Spurs fans living in our community and we got tired of listening to them, tired of seeing them at games, tired of hearing them cheering in our arena, then I think there'd be a little more of that oomph. Uh, and then also, I think LeBron's a lightning rod in a way no Spurs player now is a lightning rod. If the Lakers hadn't gotten LeBron and if they had stayed down, would some of that it's good to beat the Lakers have started to go away? Maybe. Uh, you know, the Lakers didn't stay down, so we don't really, nor, nor have they. They were down for six years. I mean, they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, but Kobe was still on the team for half of them, and you didn't like Kobe at that point. So that was like three of them. But I do think that that... You know, if that three-year stretch had continued where they didn't have Kobe and they didn't go to the playoffs, then maybe you could have lost it. And the way they got AD back rubbed people the wrong way. I mean, with the Lakers, there's always something rubbing you the wrong way. But if they were sitting in 10th with the Spurs, maybe some of that some of that edge would go away. Yeah, but isn't it good to see them down? I mean, the way Popovich treats people. I know he's a great dude and all. Once you just have to start to explain that somebody's a great dude... That just means that there's issues over there, you know, like with Bob Knight and Majerus and all that. Oh, he's really blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, then that means there's this other stuff that you're trying to explain away. I don't miss him snapping at people in those third quarter interviews. I don't miss that at all. With the Spurs rarely on network TV now, I don't miss that even a little bit. That was always cringeworthy to me. And maybe it's because, you know, we ask questions in our line of work, and that could be me pretty easily. And maybe it's that. Maybe that doesn't bug other people as much, but I found it cringeworthy. I always thought you should have replaced the who was the legendary dude, Craig, Craig Sager. Sager, with the jackets and all. Very colorful dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said home plate when Hank Aaron hit seven fifteen early in his radio career. Can you imagine running out to home plate now for some big moment? <laughs> but then it was normal. Oh well. I think the reason it was nice to put a whooping on the Spurs is you, I think Jazz fans just want the Jazz to pass the eyeball test. They just want them to look like a good team. And, okay, there's a mediocre team, and the Jazz looked much better. Well, jazz must be a good team. I think it's just uh, refreshing to get two and a half hours of that. You, they need reassurance that they're a good team or assurance that they're a good team? Yes. Really? Yes. With all these wins where they got 50? Uh, not yet, but they're headed there. I think four. I think that was forty-seven last night. Yeah. Most in the NBA, it's, and they and they need assurance. You have the most wins, and you still doubt. It's interesting what faith level people have in this team because I have it extremely high. Right, but I think you're different, and I think it's because you don't have the phantom, and you didn't grow up with Stockton and Malone posters on your wall, and you didn't take all the other losses. Wouldn't that make you be more as, of a fan? You'd be more no, biased they, toward them because they took the other losses harder, and so they're waiting for the other shoe to drop. You always talk about fans trying to protect themselves, and I think that's a classic example of what we're what we're seeing right now. I mean, so you're a fan, of, but you're more negative than somebody who doesn't give a crap. To protect yourself against the inevitable disappointment. The disappointment you are sure is inevitable. Then why be a fan? If, you, if you're going to guarantee yourself that you're going to have disappointment, what's the point? 
Because I love these guys, and the games are fun, and I want them to do it so bad. Well, if they're fun, then you would think they're all yeah, that. That's why you have all these voting, See, and that they, they vote all these guys in for your guys, because you love them. Now you're being me. You're trying to be logical, and this is an emotional situation. Channel, right. Channel emotional 8-year-old PK in New Jersey. And if you're emotionally connected to someone, you're going to overstate how good they are, not understate. That does. I love you, but I don't believe in you. Meanwhile, I don't care about this person or team over here, but I believe in them. That doesn't make any sense to me. That's not logic. That's illogic. It is illogic because the fans are emotional. Well, that's not logic. You're telling me I'm logical, but it's not logical. It's (laughs) illogical. You're trying to be logical. No, I'm not. (laughs) I've never tried to be logical. I just try to be passionate. I feel like one of the... The, I feel like one of the superheroes, I got the shield, and I'm just like spinning 360 degrees, repelling everyone. <laughs> if, you're, if passion equals logic, I got lucky. Most of the time, it doesn't. I'm a pop-off. I'm a pop-off of itch. I'm a pop-off uh, with a vowel and some Irish blood mixed in. That's what I got. Uh, to me, you overstate how good you defend them. You're acting like well, you're fans and you love them, so you badmouth them. That that seems well, I think incongruent. Done, I to think me. they do. I think they do both. When they win twenty out of twenty-one, then they're going to win the title. And when they go, what are they now? Nine and seven over the last sixteen games. Like, oh, they're going to win the title. Well, we need to see if they get healthy before we start assessing title chances. And I suppose we ought to look at whether everybody else is getting healthy. I mean, we know the Nuggets aren't going to get healthy. Murray's out, but what's LeBron's deal? He's out of the lineup. He's back in, then he's out again. Oh, the time is now for the Jazz, man. The Lakers are not showing as much. The time is now. It's this season. You don't know what next season's going to bring. Nope. You've got some guys that are in their 30s themselves. And, I mean, Joe's going to be 34 in October. And so how long can he go at this level? He could certainly be in the league a few more years. I don't doubt that. But I can't guarantee he's going to recreate 50% shooting. And, you know, shooting's down a little bit here of late, but that's probably because he's asked to do a whole lot more uh, with the two guard line players out, and he has to step up. So uh, his focus and attention is on other things, maybe. I don't know. I'm kind of running out of theory that I don't have any particular numbers on, nor am I going to run any numbers on it. Uh, It's enjoyment to me. It's not a mathematical equation that takes me back to geometry when I had to cheat to pass. I got, <laughs> I got horrific memories. The last thing I want to do is break down numbers. I want to have it be a, sp- a sport that's fun. That's for the nerd guys who they're all smarter than me and good for them. Uh, so and Well, doing, doing all the other stuff, not having uh, Donovan Mitchell set him up with some maybe some easy shots, some open shots at times, and Mike Conley setting him up with open shots at times. And just the fact that he was really hot there for a while, and is that sustainable? You know, even if those guys had stayed healthy and stayed in the lineup, could Joe have kept shooting it like that? So I think there's probably a few reasons why it's ticked down a little bit, but he's still shooting 47% from three, so not like it's ticked down that far. No, yeah. So I can't guarantee you that he's going to have – anything close to that next season so for the jazz perspective winning it all it is right now and then you celebrate or when it doesn't happen you regroup and you focus towards the next season but man if you if you're a jazz fan 
and you need assurances that this is a good team, you're actually not a fan. There's no fan out there who's a legitimate, hardcore fan who doesn't think this team is really good. Not one. I defy any hardcore. I can't tell if you're hardcore. I have to take your word for it because I'm not in your life, so I don't know. But if you're hardcore, I do not believe there's not one who doesn't think this is a good team and absolutely doesn't need assurances. Of course you can beat a team like the Spurs minus your guys. Two guys, obviously. Yeah, I don't think you can beat a team like the Suns and some of these top teams. But the team that they're playing last night and tomorrow, that's not in that bracket. They're not a top team. By any stretch, they're not a top team. So, and Particularly when they played an overtime game in San Antonio the night before. Of course you should blow them out. That was zero surprise. I would have bet the house on the Jazz winning, whether it was by 5 points, 15 points, 20 points, I'm not sure. But under the circumstances being what they were, you know, tomorrow might be different because the Spurs can get a couple of decent night's sleeps in the same area and get themselves more prepared for tomorrow. Still expect the Jazz to win, but the blowout win last night under the circumstances, you're off, you're at home, they're playing in San Antonio, long flight, taking the flight multiple times, and now you have this opportunity, so you did what you did. But I don't think there's any Jazz fan that needs reassurance that this is a good team. At this point, how many games they have left? Six, seven games? Seven games to go for the Jazz now. So what's 72 minus 7? I wish I would have just played 70 because then I could have done the math a lot easier. <laughs> 65 games down. Okay. Seven 65, to go. After 65 games? Geometry really was horrifying for you, wasn't it? Yeah. Writers don't aren't good at math. It's just the way it is. We suck at math. I mean, everyone has their alignment and their skills. So, and their particular talents. If Although I never fed, had a boss when I, in my writing career who thought I was a good writer. In fact, they thought just the opposite many, many times over. It hasn't stuck with me at all, all these years later. No, I've forgotten it and let it go. Sure I have. So. <laughs> <laughs> I've let so. that go. Right over here where I can grab it quickly. <laughs> I'm still working on trying to let it go. Maybe I'll get there. Probably not. <laughs> ah, what's the point? <laughs> yeah, old dog, new tricks type of thing. Not happening. So, I, I mean, I, I believe that there, there's so much support for this team. They have, and I've lived in markets, and I lived in four states, and they've had NBA teams in all of them, and in some places, multiples. And nobody is more passionate than jazz fans. I can honestly say that. I can honestly, I mean, without, I'm not saying it just to be whatever. I, from my experiences, living in New York, now I was, I was a youngster, but I still don't live in Jersey, but a suburb of New York. And, you know, I have plenty of family and friends and go back every couple of years uh, and obviously uh, have the roots there. Passionate fans, we know that. But, and then Phoenix and Los Angeles. And these fans right here, they're just as passionate. They're just as good, just as vocal, just as you name it. And it's even, and what's more impressive is that you're doing it here. Well, gosh, I mean, Laker bandwagon fans, you only bumped into them if you chose to go outside. 
So, of course, they're all over the place. The easiest thing in the world to be is a Laker fan. <laughs> of all fandom in North American sports, <laughs> can you think of anything literally easier than to be a Laker fan? No. Seriously, I, 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 don't, no. I don't think there is. I mean, there's other stuff. You can go at people won a lot. You know, the Patriots won a lot. Like, the Lakers had really good decades when the Patriots were just completely sucking. So I guess if you're like 27-year-old Patriot fan, well, you've had it pretty easy. But you could literally be 60-year-old Laker fan, and you've had it but pretty easy. But that's so much harder in football because there's more guys, more components, one game. You have to win a game. You look mm-hmm. at the tuck thing. You know you could have lost that game. And so in football, with a one game and a ball that takes weird bounces, you can cover a guy like a blanket, and it hits someone's shoulder pad, pops straight up, and somebody else can catch it. You know what I mean? There's so many not really fluky things, but there's a lot of chance to a degree involved, especially in a one game. Well, in basketball, where there's so few guys and there's so few elite guys, and plus they got to beat you four times, not once. You can't just get hot once or twice with shooting. You got to do it four times, right? And come on, man. It seems like it's really, really difficult. So being a Laker fan is the easiest thing in the world to be. I don't understand the logic that uh, you don't believe this team is good. If you're a hardcore fan, I would love to hear from one hardcore fan who doesn't believe this team is good. Now, you can go, oh, we're cursed. The league's never going to li- mm-hmm. let a small market, oh, blah, blah, blah. That, that, but that's aside from the team. Because yeah, the think- team had no curse, right? Like the Red, There was no curse on the uh, Red Sox winning the World Series with those guys. That was a made-up thing. Yes, it was, and it took Kurt Schilling to kind of call it out. It was stunning, and yet yeah. when you think about it, it was like, hmm, it was kind of obvious too, wasn't it? But nobody wanted to say it, and he did. So he got credit for it. <laughs> it's not a curse. We're going to go win, like we yeah. did in Arizona. And then they went out and they won it. Multiple so, times. Yeah. Right. So the other teams just weren't good enough. I just yeah, think right, that right. The, I think the thing Jazz fans know and that they really buy is, yes, you're good, but you also need to be playing – your best basketball as you get to the postseason. Because everyone understands it's hyper-competitive. And the thing that's a little misleading right now is that obviously Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley aren't playing their best basketball. And they're going to have to play their best basketball, and they're not playing at all right now. But it's still reassuring to see Bogey getting untracked because the expectations for him were really high. I mean, he he was the crutch and the explanation for anything that went wrong at the end of last season. And the bubble, if it went wrong, it was like, well, he didn't have bogey. So now you got it, and he's struggling to shoot but, the three, and you're but, like, but get on track. But he's been on track for a while now. Right. And so so like, I didn't need the Spurs game to provide me any reassurance. Yes. But after playing 500 ball for a long time, and it's just one game. I mean, they could play 500 ball. It's, everything you said about the Spurs a couple minutes ago is true. You know, they get to sit in one town for two days, get a couple of good nights sleep, get a little irritated. Maybe they shoot the ball a little better, just hit some open shots. You know, Wednesday's game could look really different. There are no guarantees that Monday's going to look like Wednesday, so maybe the Jazz will end up playing sure, 500 ball. Sure, but if you go back to the explanation in the bubble was Bogdanovich, mm-hmm. well, then the expl- explanation is the two guards out. So it's if they lose, 
Well, you've already got the ready-made explanation. They do, right. But I think it goes back to what you said, and I think people actually are hearing this and they're buying it, that this looks like a good opportunity for the Jazz, and they better grab it with both hands. You know, you don't know who's going to make a trade in the offseason and and build a super team. You you don't know if your guys are going to be healthy next year. You know, you don't know if guys in their 30s are going to be, you know, lose 10% of their athleticism or whatever. There's a lot of stuff that could happen. Certainly nobody saw the Suns coming, right? I mean, they made a trade, and they had some young guys get better, and then they found a few pieces that fit in the rotation. Not that they're stars, but they fit and they make them better. You know, who knows if that's going to happen with somebody else next year? You know, maybe one of these good teams is going to add a couple pieces and be a great team. I mean, the Suns came out of nowhere, you know, but... Well, a playoff team might go from good to great. So I think they do. the Jazz fans do feel the urgency like they should seize this chance with both hands. This is a really good one. But these guys are hurt, and these guys aren't playing well. And at least for one night, they just passed the eyeball test. There's nobody who's not playing well. I mean, at least for one night. There's been dozens of nights that they yes. passed the eyeball test for but, at least for one night. That's the barometer for at least. That's what you took for at least from one night. They passed the eyeball test. That's what you take from the Jazz over the last two weeks. That's the best they've looked. And it's what it's you're not, doing that's lately. That's not true at all. They hammered Sacramento, their biggest margin of victory ever. Yes, I, and people have no respect for Sacramento and don't think that that equates to anything. I mean, at least Sacramento, at least San Antonio is mediocre. So you blew out some 500 team that just played the night before yep. into overtime, and you and you need that. Yep. Oh, 154 is not. Oh no, the not, fans. 154 is not repeatable. It was a one-off. They Which makes it the best well. effort that they've had because it's a one-off and not repeatable. That by definition makes it the best effort. Am I going nuts here? No, just like every other day. All right, when we come back, yay or nay, the world, the basketball world, the basketball world is changing underneath your feet, and some people don't like it. Do you? We will get to that next. Stay with us. This this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. You know I was babysat until eighth grade. Dolores Arnold used to babysit me every day after school. And Dolores? Her husband. Yeah. Like he got like 220-pound <laughs> eighth grade hands. Would you Can we not focus on that? You walk in like, hey, Dolores. Hi, Hans. I think it's funny the thought of an eighth grade Hans Olsen probably pushing two bills. He's <laughs> sitting in and being babysat. You guys let me know when you're done <laughs> so I can finish my story. Tell us more about Dolores. Anyways, her husband, Don, liked MASH. Sitting next to Don on the couch watching MASH. Hey, (laughs) Don, can I borrow your shaver? (laughs) Catch Hans and Scotty every day. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Get your foursome together and sign up today for the Dyslexia Center of Utah Charity Golf Tournament. Join the fun May 13th at Cedar Hills Golf Course. 100% of the proceeds go to the Dyslexia Center Scholarship Fund. Space is limited. Find out more at dyslexiacenterofutah.org. All right, we got multiple questions of the day here. LeBron calls for the firing. For whomever thought of the NBA playing games, what do you think? I think No. No, you don't fire him, you reward him. I think this is working out well, PK. It's early, and maybe it won't work out in future years, but right now, I see teams that normally be tanking, playing hard, trying to win games. Good. 
That's better than a big old tankathon at the end of the year. The people who don't like it are the teams that are sitting fifth or sixth and, or think they should be sitting fifth or sixth and then drop either into seventh or within range of seventh. The teams that are climbing like the Grizzlies, they're not complaining. Not that they really have the stature to complain, but they're not complaining. But it's the Mavericks and the Lakers. Whoever came up with that uh, need to be fired. <laughs> Jason says, I could care what LeBron thinks. All right, go ahead then if you could. I think it's sarcasm. I don't think you he cares at all. Care. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, yeah, but so a team that finishes four places ahead of another team, that team that finishes below has just as much chance. No, I don't think they What's do. The point of having a regular season. I don't think. Well, and Jeff is with you. He thought it was I, a good I, idea until do. he has to be one of the teams. Although I personally think 72 playing games is enough. Yeah, so we need more games? To, yes, to, to more games. More, and we're going to have a, a league that already rewards most of its teams? You don't even have to finish anywhere near 500 to get in. More games equals more money. Hence, there will be more games. Well, then have everybody in the playoffs then. Why stop there? Because they're afraid it'll cost them money and devalue the regular season even more. Hi, Utah prep scene. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. It's already greatly devalued. These teams have no chance to do anything. I wouldn't They'll think be so. After thoughts nope. by June first, you would think yes. They'll be in a in a. This isn't the this isn't baseball or the NFL, where wild cards have a chance. In a big year, a seven or eight seed. wild card, in a sense. Yeah. In a big year, a seven or eight seed, there'd be four of them, right? Two sevens and two eights, east and west. And in a big year, one of the four would win a series. You wouldn't have two of the four winning a series. Maybe what, one of the four ta- would win. What sport are you talking about? I'm talking in the NBA. These teams are the seven and eight seeds, east oh, and okay. west. Yeah. In a big, to your point, that they, these teams will be afterthoughts. But it's all about selling hope. And so... For the Grizzlies, hey, we're climbing. You know, we're on our way. We got a young group. You know, I don't know what the Spurs are selling. No, they I would, don't. I would think Westbrook is in his thirties. Beal's been around for a good while. Oh, in the while. Wizards' what case, young yeah. group do they no, have? I said Grizzlies. Grizzlies. John Morant, young, on his way up. But you're right. The Wizards now the future is. Okay, but that, that, he's he's not going to get any older or any younger by this play-in thing. He's still going to be young. The hope is still going to be there. I mean, if you've, you're talking about a lot of Jazz fans don't think that they have a shot. And so now, but the Grizzlies fans, yeah, this is the greatest thing ever. Everybody, let's go down to Beale Street. We have a shot to get into this uh, extended playoff thing. Where Jazz fans, they're on top of the league. Oh, we got no shot here. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> fans aren't logical. Fans are short for fanatics. It's all emotion. Emotion, emotion. You should be totally on top of this. This is who you are. This is in your wheelhouse. Hey, I'm all for teams trying to make more money in, in the league. I mean, that's the China thing. Let's let's go into China. Well, just LeBron and these guys. We got nothing to say about that over here because we're making a hell of a lot of money over here. Come on, I'm all for that, man. I'm not going to take anybody's money out of their pockets. Nobody should be taking money out of somebody's pockets. Who am I to say you don't deserve more money and you shouldn't do that? 
it's not about the money. Yeah, BS. <laughs> so I'm all for it. But sell it for what it is. It's an opportunity to make more money. We're going to take it. Fine. I'm good on you. Don't try to tell me it's the greatest thing and, and these teams that have no business being in the postseason are many, many games under 500. That doesn't devalue. All you got to do is finish 10th and you got a shot to get in. Hornets are two under. Pacers are four under. Wizards are five under. They're running eight, nine, ten in the East right now. Doesn't look like any of them will make it back to five hundred. Yeah, I mean, I bet you they are just going berserk. The people of Charlotte on they fire can barely sleep at night because they, of this college basketball territory. <laughs> they've never What's really NFL? seemed to and NFL. Yeah, they've never really seemed to embrace the Hornets. They're just kind of there. What's the second go round of them? Yep. All right, coming up next, Matt Harpering, Jazz Game Analyst for AT&T Sportsnet, joins us, and then Ryan Abraham, owner and publisher of uscfootball.com. Part of our spring football tour, he will join us at 8.30. Is SC getting it together? They're going to be all that. We'll talk with Ryan Abraham coming up at 8.30. Matt Harpering next. Stay with us. Mother's Day is Sunday. Get the best blanket ever. It's also the best gift ever for Mother's Day. Minky Couture, Sandy and her staff are doing it again for Zone listeners, helping you get a ride on Mother's Day. Get 50% off now when you mention Zone 50 at a store near you or online at MinkyCouture.com. That's promo code Zone 50. That's Minky Couture for Mother's Day. Time to welcome in Matt Harpering, Utah Jazz Game Analyst for AT&T Sportsnet. Matt, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. You know, Matt, Great. we always think people are smart when they say things that we already believe. We're like, see, that person really gets it. And I was watching the game, and you started going on, hey, if you want health, home court, seating, well, of course you want it all. But if you pick one, health. Health is it. And PK and I immediately thought, Matt's really smart. So good work. <laughs> <laughs> I. I think it's pretty obvious, actually. I'm a master of the obvious at times. But I think when you sit back and you kind of think about it, and I think every Jazz fan wants the number one seed, and, you know, I do as well, but it's it's really not what you really want when you when you sit back. It's, you're just not going to have a chance in the playoffs unless you have a healthy team. Yeah, that's the bottom line. Obviously, you being the former player could answer this. The player mindset now with just a handful of games to go, Things can change, and they literally are changing from game to game, night to night, as far as the seeding. But as a player on this Jazz team, if you were on this team, how much concern or care would you have about, oh, we're on this side of the bracket or that side of the bracket? How much does it matter? Um, you, you know, I, I they're definitely looking at it every day in the locker room, right? I mean, there's matchups that you would rather stay away from if you could. Um, you know, I think there was just a couple years ago when the Jazz didn't look like they were going to get to Houston in the playoffs, and there was such a slim margin that they were going to get it, and then all of a sudden you get Houston in the playoffs, and that was the matchup that they didn't want. So you can't control it um, in the end, and you you, you got to try to control yourself, and that's winning and, and creating the habits that got you to this point, and you kind of got to let it just simmer down on the on the other side of your brain and say, you know what, whatever happens, happens. We're going to be prepared. And, um, you know, you, you listen to these guys talk, and they all say the same thing. Well, if you're going to win it, you have to go through all of them anyways. And that's true. Um, but there is a side that you go in the locker room and you say, oof, we'd rather have this, this matchup than this one or this one. And, um, 
because let's let's face it, the playoffs are about matchups, and some teams play well against other teams. It's it's not about the record as much as uh, who matches well against you, and and vice versa. So, you know, there, there's definitely some looking at it, but I think in the end, with you know the sprint left of the season, I, I think the Jazz are focused on health, getting healthy. Uh, obviously, mainly Conley and, and Mitchell getting them back to a 100, percent and then you know then you go from there. So I'm curious which teams you think the Jazz really should want to see and which teams they should not want to see. And it seems like it's really complicated because, although we know Jamal Murray's out, but aside from that, there seem to be a lot of star players who might be injured in the playoffs. I'm not clear how healthy right. LeBron and Kawhi are going to be. Who should the Correct. Jazz want and who should they not want? Well, and that's why you don't try to play it, because you don't know, because you really, you know, if, if the Lakers don't have LeBron and he's not healthy, well, that's a different Laker team, obviously. Um, you know, Kawhi Leonard being out in the Clippers, if he's not healthy in the playoffs, obviously that's a different Clipper team. So you don't know, and so you, you play it. I mean, right now, a guy like Steph Curry, I mean, he's on fire. I mean, he was terrific last night, and they had a big win over New Orleans. But, um, you know, that could be, if you're the number one seed, that could be your playing game, or that could be your A seed. It could be the seventh seed. You don't know yet. Uh, Portland, you know, they had a bad loss last night uh, when they're trying to get out of the seventh seed. Um, you know, Denver obviously playing well. I think they're nine and two since the injury now, but that, they have an MVP in Jokic. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think you can get carried away with this stuff and looking at it, but in the end, I think the Jazz team, they're, they're built for sustained success in the, in the playoffs. I, I think they have the depth, they have the star power, they've proven it this year. And then you take it and you say, you know, they got to beat us too. So you don't really look at it too much and you look at the, what the Jazz can do. And I'm a firm believer that the Jazz are playing their type of game, whether, you know, they're hitting threes like they did last night, they're moving the ball around, they're playing pressure defense, and they're getting in the, you know, the decision making's happening fast. They are such a tough team to beat. They have so many weapons on this team that uh, even, you know, if one or two guys struggle, there's a lot of people that can pick up the slack. So the three of us, we watch all the games. We obsess over everything. It's our job, and this is what we do, and we love it and all that stuff. And a lot of folks don't do that. So where I'm going with this is involving Rudy Gobert. I mean, he is brilliant, and I believe you have to really, really watch him almost just about every game to understand all of his greatness. With that in mind, do you believe he gets the respect that he deserves throughout the league? Because I don't. No, I, I'm in total agreement. Um, you know, I watch him play through maybe a different lens than probably other, some other people just because I was a player and I, I envisioned myself, wow, if I could ever have a guy like, you know, Gobert back there, uh, unbelievable what the advantage is. He does so many things on the court, and we, we talk about his defense often. And, you know, he'll – He'll contest a shot, challenge a shot, then go get the rebound, and then maybe get a block shot on the same possession, right? I mean, he could do three, four different things on one separate possession. I've seen him guard multiple people uh, coming down the lane when it's a two-on-one. I've seen him guard both both guys at once. Uh, there's just he's so unique. There's there's really no one that could do what he does. Um, a lot of his stuff doesn't show up in the stat sheet. Uh, but one of the things that I that I really love watching is how he runs the court, and usually. You just don't get big guys that are as motivated to run the court and transition, whether it's defensive transition or offensive transition. It's it's pretty it's pretty fun to watch as a, as a player. This guy has a great motor, and 
when you got a guy that's doing everything defensively and protecting the rim, and then he's also going to sprint the court and try to seal on the other end and then set a quick tick, uh, an up screen, <clears throat> to get the offensive transition going, I mean, that's so valuable. It, it really is. And then he's a dunk lob threat all the time. So, you know, his health has been great this year. Hopefully, you know, knock on wood, it's going to stay great. But he's, he's, he's a factor um, that – I, like you said, you watch him, I watch him, a lot of Jazz fans kind of watch him. But as he goes through, uh, he's getting better, in my opinion, and Quinn's done an amazing job with him. But he he is off the chart defensively. I mean, historically good. So I, I'm of two minds here with the he doesn't get enough respect. I feel like individually, and he's a two-time defensive player of the year, and he's three right. times all NBA, and he's still in his 20s, so he's going to add to that. Uh, but I feel like where he doesn't get the respect is I don't feel like a lot of the um, national commentators, whether they're writing for web stuff or they're on TV or whatever, I don't feel like they think he can elevate a team to the championship level. It's like you need two wings who score 25 points a night. That's the recipe. Rudy's not that. He's a great player, but then I'm going to dismiss him when I get into a championship conversation. Why is that? Well, I, I think he's at a prove me stage, right? I mean, it's great if you want to do this in the regular season, but now everyone's saying to Rudy and, and you know the national media and, and saying, well, okay, let's let's prove in the playoffs. Let's get out of the first round. Let's go to the second round. Get out of the second round and see what happens. Does it work? Does having a, a the the defensive stopper and a guy like Rudy propel you to a finals? And, and can you win it all? And I think that's where maybe the national media is saying. Um, it's it's you know regular season's one thing playoffs and championships are another and so when i think of a lot of the national media talk they talk about winning championships and what do you need uh if you're going to win it all and so i i think that uh and that's just something rudy just hasn't done yet i mean is he's young he's been in the playoffs quite a few times with early exits so um you know let's see what happens this year i mean i think he's ready for it and I think the other thing is, you know, people like offensive numbers. They look at points and they say, oh, you know, 14 points a game. Well, that's not that good. Well, you know, when you're talking superstars, they like the, the 27 points a night and the 28, but that's just not his game. So they don't look at the overall game. They just look at the offensive part of it. And that's where I think, and my point was, you know, he doesn't get the respect in, in that way because he change, he challenges the game. He, he changes the game in a way that just like that 28-point a game guy does offensively, he does it the exact same thing defensively. So – I think there needs to be, you know, more homework done on the defensive side of that. And then, you know, I've heard the national media talk about his contract and, you know, even Shaq said something and some other ex-NBA players say stuff like, oh, well, look what you can do, you know, if you just average these numbers. And, you know, that's just out of context. Not fair. Yeah, totally. That's what I was saying. That's the whole point. As far as health, is Conley's hammy your number one concern? Um, I mean, it's, it's certainly up there. Um, but, uh, to me, number one concern is Donovan Mitchell. I mean, he, I, I think you, you got to have Donovan in the playoffs and, you know, obviously he's looking like he's coming back soon, hopefully. Um, but you know, Donovan and Rudy are, you know, a and double a, and, and then obviously Conley's right there. You got to have your three, three main guys and those guys. Um, you got to have coming into the playoffs strong for. So I, I think if they have to rest Conley, they got to rest Conley. But you certainly got to be a strong team heading in. You've probably had to play through some of these injuries, or had t- certainly you've had teammates who've had to. So I, I, 
and I don't have any medical inside info on Donovan, but having seen a lot of players with sprained ankles, you know, it'd be five weeks from when he got hurt to when he came to, to win the playoff start. So I assume he's going to be healthy, even if he has had or is having some kind of setback, you know, as he rehabs it, he hurts it. But the hamstring, I have never understood when hamstrings are healthy or when they go. So I guess that's why I'm stressing over that one a little yeah. more. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, tricky. Um, you know, jazz fans remember Carlos Boozer and his hamstrings, and it was just they just kind of flare up, and you know, you're you're right at the verge, you feel it. Um, and you could have it tighten, and you don't know whether that's a sign of uh oh, is that going to pull or is that going to strain? And if it does pull or strain, then you're really in trouble. Um, so it's tricky. Um, you know, with ankles, look at look at uh, you know, LeBron. You know, he came back and. Missed a ton of time with the ankle, and all of a sudden it just wasn't right still. And he's saying, I'm not healthy yet. So the ankles are, you know, all the injuries are different. You know, everyone, you know, one ankle strain is not the same as the next ankle strain. Mm. You know, one hamstring strain is not the same as the next. So you you just don't know until you walk in the shoes, and no one ever walks in the shoes of a player. Um, So it's tough because that's why the Jazz have a great medical staff, and you you trust what you got there. And, um, you know, injuries are part of the game. And it used to be you played, and if you were, you know, 80%, you go out there and play and give it your all. But, you know, I think they've gotten smarter. And I think over the years they've realized that that's not good because what happens is you're setting yourself up for another injury and something else happens. And um, and you don't want that to happen either. So I, I think they're – the way that it has progressed with injuries and you know just the the medical breakthroughs and how the science behind it is just making the game and players smarter i think it's better for the game assuming that they have their health and something that we all certainly want to have happen and really for every team and then let the chips fall where they may but assuming the jazz have their health i'm looking at you know i don't know what's going to happen obviously and you could play well and still lose because there's some good teams out there. But if they've got their health, I think that the only thing that really would concern me as far as derailing them from winning an individual series would just be a team-wide shooting slump from three. Is there anything True. else there? Am I missing anything? Um, yeah, I mean, you can, you can get someone rolling, right, on the other team. You know, there's, there's quite the players that could, you know, get it going 40, 50 in a playoff game, you know, look at Luca, Dane, you know, some of these guys, uh, stuff that can, can really get it going, that can carry a team. Can they do it through four games in a seven game series? That, that's, that's very questionable, but they could get a couple wins for sure. Uh, just off star power. Uh, so you worry about that a little bit. Um, but I agree. I think in a seven great game series, uh, that's, what's great about the seven games is usually, no, not usually all the time, the best team wins. Um, and so, you might have a night where you don't shoot well, but, you know, the the lull averages is what we like to say, or I would say usually comes back in your fruition. You're not going to shoot terribly for an entire series um, when you're a good shooting team. So, you know, you might worry about a game or two, but, um, you know, this is where I think coaching is underrated too. And you go into a playoff matchup, coaches make adjustments, and I think the schemes, what goes on in playoffs are, are very, very important. And I think Quinn, you know, Jazz got a good one there. So I think that that's an advantage on the on the advantage column. Um, you know, I want to go back to the injury thing that I was just talking about because there are there is a point when 
you know, and it, it might be, I don't know, game six or game seven of a playoff race where you do say, okay, now I, now I am going to play when I'm 85%, right? Because, uh, you know, we lose or go home in those types of situations. So I'm for the, you know, getting healthy, but then once it comes time, if you're going to win a championship and you're going, I think a lot of players and people around the nation would say, okay, now it's time to, to play through this one. So th- there's that too. I'm curious what you think about the Phoenix Suns because whatever jazz fans and the local media around the jazz looks at the national media and says, oh, they don't respect this about us, they don't like that, I think we do the same thing to the Suns. And I think both organizations have the same issue right now. It's what you said earlier about you got to show me, you got to prove it. If you haven't been partway down the path to the title, I don't trust you to all of a sudden go all the way down. Usually you have to learn hard lessons and lose playoff series along the way. Do you think right. that that holds true in this era with these two teams? You know, I, I do. Um, I think the the same rhetoric goes with, with Phoenix. I, I don't think, you know, people around the league and, you know, even if you listen to some of these players talk, whether it's LeBron or, you know, Kawhi or some of the players on other teams in, in the Eastern Conference as well, you know, when you've been there and you've done it, you're not worried about seeding. Uh, they're just like, okay, get me there and then we'll figure it out because we've been there before. Um, guys, teams like Phoenix and Utah, I think they do need the home court. I think they do need the edge of having, you know, when things go wrong in a series that you, you know you got – you know, your fans behind you and you got, you got the extra game. Um, but you're right. I, you know, Phoenix, they're young. You know, Aiden is very young. Booker hasn't really proven it in the playoffs. You know, Chris Paul has been up and down in the playoffs, but, you know, has never, you know, never won it. So, you know, Bridges, they, they're, they're very similar. They're good as a team, though. And so they can beat you with their team. And uh, I think they're underrated. I think you go in there and you say, okay, well, you know, even though they don't have the experience, I think they're well coached. I think they have a good scheme. I think I like, you know, they, they play a certain way and it's going to be hard for them to lose because of the way they play. And it's much like the Jazz. So, Suns are good. There's no doubt about it. And big surprise yeah. team. As far as the Jazz, I give you two seed and full health. What percentage would you quickly sign off of it? Would it be like 80, 90, 100%? What would it be? Who's the seventh seed? I don't know. <laughs> I can't guarantee well, that. When you come up with that answer, I'll, I'll give you my answer. <laughs> that's a, that's even know, more difficult to determine on the ba- below than it is yeah. above. Well, I mean, you look at the Lakers. Uh, they're a couple games out of the seventh seed. Um, you know that that's a big whoa, really. I mean, it's it, yeah, that's true. I mean, they're thirty-seven and twenty-eight. You know, Portland's thirty-six and twenty-nine. I mean, there's not a lot separating one game. And without LeBron, you know, Schroeder's in the protocol for 10, 14 days. And so, you know, a lot of stuff can happen. But can you imagine, uh, you know, if the Jazz fall to two and the Lakers go to seven, a two-seven first-round matchup? Oh, man. So, so LeBron wants to fire whoever came up with this. I think it's I think it's minimizing tanking, and the only people who've been up so upset so far are Mavericks and Lakers, who think they should right. be better than seven, but are in danger of possibly finishing seventh. But I think it's yeah. minimizing tanking, and I get it's a mirage, and I get these teams aren't very good, and I get that they're probably not going anywhere in the postseason, probably going to be out real quick. But to the degree we don't have teams mailing it in and playing G League lineups right now, I like it. 
I totally agree. I, I'm all for it. And, you know, I think it's great for the league. It, it creates interest all the way down to the nth game. And not only that, if you're the Wizards right now and your fan base is, I mean, you're loving life right here and you're saying to yourself, wow, we, we have a real chance. I mean, we're coming on strong. We're in the 10th spot. Who wants to face us? We're one of the hottest teams in the league. Um, you know, I, I think – and the matchups get really interesting. I mean, look at the West. The Spurs are in the 10th, you know, and you got the Grizz and Golden State. Does anyone want to face Golden State with Steph playing the way he's playing right now? And, you know, you got a young team with Memphis. Um, I don't think the Pelicans get in, so Zion's going to be out. But, you know, I, I, I love it. I, I, I find myself more um, involved this year as far as following other teams than I've been in the past because of this, the playing race. Well, Matt, as always, we appreciate it. And uh, when you dropped law of numbers instead of law of averages this year, I don't even know if you remember doing it, but for whatever reason, that cracked us up. We need the unintentional comedy. Keep it coming. We love it. All right. Thank you. All right. <laughs> yeah, thank you, I think, right? All right. See you guys. All right, thanks. All right, there is, uh, there's Matt Harpring, former jazz player, jazz TV analyst, and uh, he's all about it. Give them the play-in games and give them a healthy well, I, jazz team. Sure. I'm, you guys go against LeBron? <laughs> Fine. I'm going to be on the right side of history. LeBron is my leader, and uh, I don't go against him. And I don't believe anything you just said. All right. <laughs> when we come back, Ryan Abraham, owner and publisher of USCfootball.com. USC, should they be the pick to win the South? Are they better than Utah and ASU? Or the door is open and other teams just need to walk through it because SC isn't all that. We'll talk with Ryan Abraham next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. What do they sell cocaine by nowadays? So you can get 20 lines from a single gram. For a heavy user, cocaine addiction can cost about $120 a day. So yeah, if you're dropping 20 lines a day, you got a problem. This is going to cause a rift. say, if you're dropping 20 lines a day, you have a problem. I think if you're dropping a line a day, you've got a problem. I don't think it takes to get 20 uh, lines. Serious problem. <laughs> if you're around 10, then no, you're, you're okay. No, by this little chart. They said, you're good. You probably have a problem if you're doing any lines. Of course. But no lines is acceptable. Hey, I'm telling you right now, there's some listener out there that's doing 5 to 10 lines a day, and he's like, yep, Scotty's right. See, I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem. <laughs> so the unintended consequences of me reading that on the air is that somebody out there is like, eh, I'm good. This better not end up as a promo. Hanson Scotty. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Registration is now open for Skyhawks Sport Academy Summer Camps. Join them for an action-packed, fun-filled summer of youth sports camps at a location near you. Choose between soccer, flag, football, fueled by USA Football, golf, baseball, cheerleading, multi-sports camps, mini-hawk camps, and more. Find program information and register today at www.skyhawks.com. Time to welcome in Ryan Abraham, owner and publisher of uscfootball.com. Ryan, welcome back to the show. Thanks for uh, having me on. It's uh, kind of a shame to wrap up uh, spring football, but it was nice to get a little bit of normalcy and uh, looking forward to what's going to happen this fall. And that is exactly what you fans are wondering. What is going to happen this fall? Is SC got a good recruiting class under its belt and all the uh, speculation about all the coaches is dying down? They're going to be able to focus on football and put together one of those legendary SC seasons or... Everything's unstable. The door's open. It's just up to Utah or ASU or UCLA or whoever to walk through it. 
I think the short answer is yes to all of that. But I think there's a, they've done some good things in the offseason. I think bringing in Mike Bone, they've you know, realized some of the shortcomings uh, within the athletic department, especially the football team. They've bolstered the recruiting staff. They've made sure that Clay Helton brought in competent assistant coaches, not just familiar faces that they, he's worked with before. So I think everything around Clay Helton has been upgraded. And we saw uh, you know, the spring football the last you know, five weeks it was a lot more physical than anything we had seen before. Uh, the roster is still pretty good. They lost seven guys from the team last year. You know, five got drafted and two signed as undrafted free agents. You know, so certainly losing some production, but there was, it's a lot deeper of a spring roster than we've seen in a while. And the schedule's not that difficult. So everything's set up for like that legendary kind of run uh, that they made, you know, like in, after the 2016 season going to the Rose Bowl. That potentially could happen, but you also still have, you know, Clay Helton's running the show and there's a lot of uncertainty, you know, just around that. Is there going to be those, you know, classic USC just let down games where they lose games that they shouldn't? Uh, but the schedule in 2021 looks so much easier than the original 2021. There's no Alabama. Uh, you don't have Oregon. You don't have Washington. So it's set up well for them to make some kind of run. Will they? That's a great question. <laughs> Okay, so with spring ball being done, you can choose one Drake. Are you re- uh, re- uh, choosing defensive star Drake Jackson, offensive receiver star Drake London, or Drake the rapper? <laughs> well, for me, if it's personal, like, yeah, let's have Drake the rapper have some concerts in my driveway or something. That'd be great. But I. <laughs> That's a tough one. I mean, those are the two guys, if you're looking at, that they were absolute studs and stars on both sides of the ball. And they've typically had a, a deeper receiver group than I think they have this year. There's a lot of unproven talent. So I'm going to go with Drake London. He's been you know, just a stud uh, out there. For Drake Jackson, I mean, he's amazing too. But they do have Corey Foreman coming in, the number one player who played with him in high school. Could sort of be the Drake Jackson replacement. I don't see the Drake London replacement right yet, so I'll go with Drake London. So watching a little bit of that uh, uh, spring game, I'm curious what you think of the battle for the backup quarterback slot. Obviously, we got a local guy here from Utah involved in this. I mean, Slovis is the guy, but if he goes down, does the whole season go up in smoke, or is there a chance that they could? St- they got enough talent. They got somebody who can step in and take over. Yeah, I I would lean towards the the going up at smoke side, but they they had a veteran. Well, they had a couple of veterans. Uh, Matt Fink had eligibility to return. He decided to retire. You remember he had a good game against Utah in uh, 2019 when Slovis went down. So he's uh, moving on. I think he's still at USC getting his masters. And then they brought in Mo Hassan, who was put on scholarship last year too. He was a transfer from Vanderbilt. Actually, won a game in the SEC. So there's some experience there, but he blew out his knee. In that spring game, uh, he looked actually pretty good. So now you're down to two true freshman backup quarterbacks. You mentioned Jackson Dart, who's just been – he's the fan favorite for sure. Everyone loves his athleticism. He's got a great arm. Um, there just seems to be a lot of upside there. And it goes to show, I mean, he just wasn't on as many people's radar until uh, fall football happened for high school. Miller Moss didn't get the chance to play his senior year, so he didn't have that opportunity. But Jackson Dart took it, ran with it. And he has just been on a meteoric rise. Like people love him around USC, so I think he's probably the fan favorite to be the backup. But I've, the practices I watch, it sort of went back and forth depending on the on the day. I think you know we saw some upside from Dart. I, I think that you know we we've, we've seen true freshmen come into this offense and do well. 
Um, we've seen guys come off the bench and do well. So I wouldn't, you know, because the schedule is not the most daunting, I think that they would have some success. But to, to make a run at, like, you know, winning the Pac-12 in the playoff, I think you're going to need Slovis to do that. But the, the local guy for you guys, Jackson Dart, he's definitely been a favorite, and he's looked good uh, from when I've seen him out there. So, interestingly, they get, what, three transfers from Texas, where Sarkeesian was, he used to be, or is, and obviously he used to be at SC, and uh, I think that the tight end kid's going to play, and then also the running back, uh, Keontae Ingram. Now, they've got Carr and the other guy coming back, too, but uh, Keontae Ingram, is he going to vault to the top, and how good is he? Yeah, I mean it's it's really interesting. They you know they just picked up their third uh, Texas transfer this off season, um, which is crazy. They you know they brought in the, the safety Damian Alford. Uh, you know they bring in Malcolm Epps, uh, the tight end you mentioned yesterday. He might be more of a receiver, but the guy that stood out to me was Keontae Ingram. He ran more of like a spread air raided kind of stuff uh, in high school, and then didn't really get to do that at Texas. Had some. Great moments there. They had some fumble issues, but he's come in and just brought a whole different vibe, I think, to the the running back room. That's been a little stale, just because it's been the same guys over and over. Marquis Step was a fan favorite. He ends up transferring out and goes to Nebraska. He gets hurt. He's out again. He's just someone that's been hard to keep on the field. I like Stephen Carr's look pretty good. Vivai Malapai is like a you know just a steady guy there. But Ingram comes in and brings something different to the table. He can catch the ball in the backfield. He he had a 49-yard scamper after catching the ball in the the spring game, and just when you, if you just didn't know anyone's numbers and you just watched some practices, you're like that guy looks like a starter, and that's what he did to me. So I don't know if that's you know any indication of what they were doing in the running back room before, but he's come in and definitely uh, provided a spark. I wouldn't be surprised if he's you know one of the you know top two you know one or two guys or whatever in that running back rotation. He's just Coming from outside, and, and that the Texas connection with all the, the coaches that USC has from the state of Texas, you know, they, they get a guy like that that looks like he could be the starter. Ryan Abraham, USCFootball.com, joining us. I, I'm just curious that you know the, the, the when you throw the ball the way SC does with the whole air raid influence and all that, the skilled players are going to get all the run anyway. They're going to get even more run in this. But there just seems to be plenty of stories written that – USC isn't good enough in the trenches, and they can be bullied and can be pushed around. Do you believe that? Yeah, I think that's the big. That was the big concern uh, last year. I mean, they didn't. They ran, They passed the ball very well. They did not run the ball well. There, like the, if you look at some of the advanced stats, the stuff rate. You know, where in the you know the first four yards, they usually attribute to the offensive line. All of those stats, USC was like some, one of the worst in the country. The short yard situation stuff where you really just need to, you know, you're going to run and just need to bully somebody. And, you know, fans want you to be under center or eye formation. Like, you don't have to do that. You can still run these spread concepts and push people around up front. And USC hasn't been able to do that. And maybe the biggest concerning thing is USC's had a first-round draft pick from the offensive line the last two seasons in a row and still has had, uh, you know, troubles running the football. they got a deep offensive line room. I think there's 19 guys on scholarship, and they're probably still looking to bring in a – a transfer, maybe a ready-made left tackle that they can get from somewhere else, but it's it's definitely a concern. They've mixed and matched a, a little bit, and they, you know they got four starters basically back uh, from last year, but it just hasn't seemed to, to get you know everything get put together. And then they brought in a, a more of a spread guy uh, in Clay McGuire, who's you know worked under the Mike Leach system and is familiar with the air raid. So I think that's probably two years overdue that you had a spread offensive line coach with your spread offense but 
they're doing that now, and we'll see what the, you know what kind of fruit that that bears. But I think he's got some good tape to watch all of these young guys and see where they fit, and then in the fall kind of put people in place and, and pick the five best guys. But yeah, it's, to me that would be the biggest concern. I mean, they they got plenty of skill talent. You got Keen Slovis, who's you know already a 2022 draft high projection guy, but they need to be able to block some people. From you can you can run the spread offense and have guys open and throwing complete passes and stuff. But if you really want to be successful, you're going to have to run the ball when people know you're going to run the ball. And they just haven't been able to do that the last few years. Okay. And so you can argue that the spring game was a little bit of good news, bad news, and the offensive line being more of the bad news. But the good news in the trenches, the defensive line, we already mentioned J- Drake Jackson. You spoke about Corey Foreman, who I believe – considered the nation's number one prospect, kind of a Thibodeau kid that we see at Oregon who will be a high draft choice this season. I'm hoping he actually actually opts out and prepares himself for the draft. No need to play for the Ducks this year, but that's my own personal <laughs> bias. And then I throw in guys like Tui Pelotu and uh, what's a Sikona and, and Lichtenstein. It looks like they're pretty well loaded up front defensively, though. Yeah, the, I like the defensive line. They brought in Vic Sooto, um last year, and he was a younger, a less experienced assistant coach. I think only three years uh, working under Bronco Mendenhall, who he played for, and just he looks like he could play right now. He, I mean, I, I don't think anyone on the team could beat him up. I mean, he's huge. He's always wearing like uh, you know tank tops and is screaming sacks, sacks, sacks. I mean, he brings so much energy, and it's just. You're like you like that kind of coach, but then can you really develop these guys? But these all the young guys look better. You mentioned Tuli Tuipilotu, his brother just got drafted yeah. uh, coming in, and he's just been an absolute beast out there. Someone was like a three-star guy coming in. They was like, oh yeah, his brother's playing at USC. Man, uh, he's been great. And Jay Toya is another one, a freshman coming in. And when you see some of these young guys really, you know, impressing, um, I think you have to attribute that to. I mean, you know, pretty good recruiting, but also that the development they're getting and how the, you know, just he's getting these guys to gel together. So I think Vic Soto's done a nice job. And you got a guy like Caleb Tremblay, who's a redshirt senior, you know, transferring out of the program, going to, to Tennessee. He probably would have played, but wasn't getting as much run as some of the young guys. I think that's a, you know, pretty good. You kind of attribute that to, man, you got to, you got to bring it just because you're senior doesn't mean you're going to play. So I think they, they're in a good direction with the, with the defensive line. And like you said, you know, Corey Foreman coming in is, Certainly going to help, but I, I like the way they've developed that. I think they've done a much better job developing those young defensive linemen than they have uh, the offensive line the last couple of years. Ryan Abraham, USCFootball.com, joining us. So I don't want to overstate this. You know, USC has rivalries with Notre Dame and UCLA, but there's seven games on the home schedule. Utah visits on October 9th, BYU visits on November 27th. Given past results, USC losing in Provo a couple of years ago and Several losses to Utah up up uh, up here. Is there any juice for those games? How, how do USC fans look at those games? Yeah, I mean, I think less so for the BYU game. I mean, they were pretty upset uh, to, to lose that game going on the road. But I mean, the Utah one is somewhat. I think that's where USC fans circle it all the time. I mean, they, I think if they played BYU more, you would get a little bit more of that. I, don't, I mean, there'll be some kind of revenge factor or whatever. But the the Utah game, just because it's a, a divisional opponent. Um, you've seen so many, you know, good games, and the home team has has won a whole lot of those ones. Um, I think that's one that USC fans have have circled, and and Utah's one of the programs where you're like, oh, they, you know, lost quarterback, lost running back, lost a bunch of production, but you still know they're going to be great on the lines. There's still there's always going to be, you know, Kyle Whittingham 
is uh, is just a, such a great developer of talent. They always are able to kind of reload and do their kind of system and and make it work and, and make it tough on teams. And I think USC fans uh, realize that. So you can say, oh, Arizona State's on the rise or UCLA looks better, but you know, I think USC fans know that if you're going to win the South, it's got to go through uh, Utah and you know, winning the division for two years in a row. Uh, I think that got a lot of Trojan fans' attention. So, I, yeah, I think that's the one, if you're going to talk about a Pac-12 South game, it's UCLA because of the, the rivalry and stuff. But the Utah one, I think, is the one they always look forward to because they, you know, they know it's, it's really important as far as trying to win the Pac-12. So you talked about not having a receiver depth. We already talked about one receiver. How about Brew McCoy? Is he ready for a breakout? He is. You know, I think, uh, you know, coming back, transferring, you know, uh, into the program last year, we got to see him some. Um, you know, he missed some time for COVID stuff early in in the spring, but I think he's pencil, penciled in as like the the number two uh, guy right now. I mean, they got a lot of of young receivers, and you know, the the majority of that room are freshmen or, or redshirt freshmen. And you might see a guy like Kyle Ford, uh, who's coming off two, you know, his second ACL, should be ready for the fall. I think he, you know, he's a former five star guy like Brew McCoy. I think both those guys have the potential, but we've seen a lot more uh, of Brew McCoy, and you know he had a touchdown catch in the uh, in the spring game. He's looked good. Katie Nixon's sort of the um, X factor. I mean, you've seen him at Colorado. He just transfers to USC. He's been out there, but it's not been super consistent. I, I just want to see what he's able to do. But he's like the lone senior. Everyone else is freshmen and sophomores uh, in that room, and they just had Manier McLean uh, transfer out of the program, so one less body there, but. It's a, they've got some good guys. It's just which one is going to step up. They've Over the last few years, there's just been established players like the, the Tyler Vons and Amon Ross St. Browns. You guys have been around, and you know what their their role is. I think there's a lot of guys who are just not sure what their role is going to be. And Bruno McCoy is one of them. But I would guess after Drake London, he's probably going to be the, the number two guy for Keaton Slovis. So we already mentioned Corey Foreman, who's expected to hit the ground running on the outside and just get to the quarterback all often and we'll see if he usually those types of players live up to their hype so i'm expecting him to be really good but sort of a two-parter question here is that i see in my reading and research and i've started it on the pac-12 particularly the south teams because obviously that's where utah is that in recruiting they got what 14 guys that are either four or five star and we heard just a couple years ago man they sucked in recruiting so how'd they pull that off? And then which of these guys outside of Foreman do you think would have an immediate impact? Yeah, they, uh, they, they went from, I think, 64th uh, in, the, in the country in their national ranking for uh, recruiting, which is, I mean, for USC to, to be out of the top 15 is like a, it's crazy. I mean, to be 64th, there's just, we've never seen anything like that before. And they bump up, uh, end up finishing number seven in the composite rankings for 24-7, and I think a lot of it is like what we talked about at the top with, you know, bringing in Mike Bone, bringing in more support staff, bringing in better assistant coaches that would, you know, recruit full-time instead of being part-time guys. So I think that's the big reason why you saw so many, uh, you know, so you saw that recruiting class turn around a lot. And I think you got to look at the freshman quarterbacks just because we haven't seen a quarterback from USC make it throughout the entire season. So Jackson Dark, Miller Moss, one of those guys are probably going to be important and end up playing. I like Brandon Campbell a lot. He's uh, from Katy, Texas, uh, running back, 5'10", about 190 pounds. He's looked good out there along with the transfer uh, Ingram. So 
And, you know, we, they're, they're pretty thin at cornerback. So a guy like Sierra Wright from Loyola High School in L.A., we haven't seen him yet. He hasn't enrolled yet, but I mean, he's got the potential to come in and, uh, and, and make a splash. So I think there's some guys out there that, you know, have the potential to make a, a mark early. Um, some of them came in and rolled early, so we got to see those guys. But like we saw Campbell and we saw Dart and we saw Moss. And some of the guys I think you have to wait, you know, the summer when they come in. But they can get thin at spots. And if you, if, you know, some of these two freshmen can contribute, I think they're going to be able to trust them and get them in there. But it's, it's definitely a much better recruiting class to, to pick from. You can get some guys that uh, can make an impact much more so than the, that 2020 class. Well, Ryan, we will talk to you again as the season gets closer. And if the Trojans aren't 5-0 and when they host Utah on October 9th, then uh, you know we'll be asking about Clay Hilton's job, job status. Because obviously <laughs> 4-1 and is unacceptable for the USC faithful. They're writing too big of checks. <laughs> You're right about that. If you're 5-0, and they'll probably be complaining. So that's uh, <laughs> probably true. That's the season, man. Until something big happens, if they make the playoff or something or you know, whatever, like that's, that's pretty much my day hearing about fans being upset with Clay Hilton. Ryan, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Oh, thanks for having me on. You can check out Ryan's work. He's the owner and publisher of uscfootball.com. And uh, we appreciate him coming on as often as he does. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, the Utah Jazz, one down, one to go with the San Antonio Spurs. We had Matt Harpering on earlier this morning, offering up a few opinions. we got a lot of people hitting us up on uh, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, reactions to the win and one bizarro reaction and a particularly hilarious response. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. The Big Show, the Big Show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Have you showed Lisa this story? No. Will you put the headset on her and show her that story? <laughs> okay, now you be respectful while I'm gone, okay? Okay. Hey, hey yeah. fellas. Gordon is back. Hi, Gordon. Yeah, she's not here. I think she's on a walk or something. Now, wait a minute. Did you eat something? <laughs> I grabbed a snack. On the... You I didn't did go even <laughs> go look for it. I saw a couple of M&Ms, so I chucked them in my mouth, and then I went to the other side of the house to look for them. You it. did not. You just went to the kitchen <laughs> to grab a snack. <laughs> It's okay, isn't it? Sure, they're waiting on air for me, but heck, I'm oh, hungry. Might as well, yeah, eat some oh, I got a snack. <laughs> Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Join hands with Scotty G Friday at the warehouse from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! Question of the morning. How nice is it to put a whooping on the San Antonio Spurs. And Jeff tweets back at us, we didn't whoop the Spurs last night. We lost to the Lakers. And that tweet is a quote tweet, PK. And he's quoting Irvin Magic Johnson with the blue check mark and 5.1 million followers. Because Magic tweeted out, Anthony Davis was huge tonight without LeBron and Dennis Schroeder scoring 25 points in the Lakers' big win over the Jazz. Magic? <laughs> Madge. Magic? Do you actually know who the Lakers played? Because it wasn't the Jazz. <laughs> well, that's so typical, man. We are in their heads. They just can't get us out of their minds. They know we're there, and they know the title goes through Salt Lake City, Utah. The championship, man. You want to win it, you got to beat our guys. Don't be giving me oh, who they're going to play in the seventh seed. Who cares who they're going to play in the seventh seed? Bring them all on, and we 
will defeat them. I really believe this is our year. Jazz, Nuggets, that's all the mountain time zone. Flyover states. Pshaw. Or is it nothing but just disrespect? Yes. Because, yes, it's the Intermountain West, and I don't know one from the other. Rocky Mountains, Wasatch Mountains, it's all the same thing. Whatever. Lakers won. We're all that matters. Signed, are, Irvin Magic Johnson. Are not the Wasatch Mountains the Rocky Mountains? Well, I don't know. I'm in L.A. Let's go to Redondo Beach. Isn't that the same as Manhattan Beach? No. Where are the San Gabriels at? <laughs> Over there by the Rose Bowl. No, you're slumming it if you go to Redondo. Police. Huntington? Redondo's for the that's little people. That's a little bit too far away. Yeah, that's all the way down in Orange there. County. Please. If you're going to be there, you might as well go to Newport or Laguna. Good point. Uh, is that a sign of disrespect, or was he just watching and looking at the little jazz and thinking, well, you know, they're really good? And I'm most worried because the funny thing is, you know, there's a lot of thought the Jazz are disrespected. But when it comes to the Suns, they are far more disrespected, speaking of the Suns, than the Lakers are or the Jazz are. So if you're looking at the top two teams right now between one and two, most folks would say, which is the more dangerous of the two? Which do you fear more? You would say that it would be the Jazz. So maybe he was thinking along those lines, or he just screwed it up, and uh, I don't maybe know he what was, he was thinking. He may have been watching both games, on flipping back and forth on his uh, his NBA uh, package, you know, watching the NBA ticket or whatever, and just put in the wrong team. Well, the, 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 yeah. the Laker-Nuggets game obviously was far more competitive. And it was if you were looking for competition because it was clear. And I was checking out that game, too. I was flicking over because it was obvious that the Lakers, I mean, the, the Jazz were going to win that game. I mean, that was one of these games that was never in doubt pretty much from start to finish. That was amazing in that way. Uh, once the Jazz got going, I thought, man, they've, they've got this and they're going to just continue to do what they do and are doing. And that's exactly what happened. Whereas the Laker-Nugget game, I kept waiting for the Nuggets to make a run because the Lakers have been slumping, and given the fact that the Nuggets have been playing well, I expected the Nuggets to win. Now, they did. Now, this is a big win for the Lakers, no doubt. See, the Lakers needed a dose of confidence. I don't think that the Jazz needed any reassurance whatsoever. This is what they do, usually. And I, notwithstanding the two Minnesota losses, because that, that flies in the face of what I'm saying, but I do think that they've got enough talent to beat the average teams. Enough talent minus the two starters, obviously. So I, I think we all did. think that, and we've all argued that, but they lost to Minnesota. They lost to Minnesota again. You got and me they there. Were, they were hanging on for dear life against Toronto. Now, they won it, and a win is a win, and you just add up the number okay, of wins. You're not going to blow out teams. So. But the Spurs looked and felt different than the Raptors game, certainly well, both should. the Timberwolves games. The Raptors were in town for a day. You weren't. You played back-to-back. The, the, the explanation is obvious. It has nothing to do with the players or lack of talent. Toronto was in town, did not play on Friday. You played on Friday, had to fly back, play Saturday, and then the, just the reverse. You were home resting, and the Spurs had to play at home, get on a plane and fly back here. If you're looking for a test, it'll come tomorrow because all things are equal in that regard. But they were clearly unequal 
That's why it doesn't matter as much in the postseason because everybody's on the same schedule. Certainly your opponent is. So the answer is obvious as to why they were hanging on for dear life and why they blew away the Spurs. When we come back, Matt Harpering on playoff matchups. Will he be painted into a corner? We will get to that next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are brought to you by Mark Miller. DJ and PK in the morning brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. We had on Matt Harpering about an hour ago, and PK, you got into it with him on the question everybody wants to dig into and get to the answer. Where are the Jazz going to be seated? Where do we want them to be seated? How will they match up with whoever they're seated with? Uh, if they're two, then who's... Well, there's tons of questions here, but here's PK with Matt Harpering trying to figure out where the Jazz want to be seated. Suns are good. There's no doubt about it. And big surprise yeah. team. As far as the Jazz, I give you two seed and full health. What percentage would you quickly sign off of it? Would it be like 80, 90, 100%? What would it be? Who's the seventh seed? I don't know. <laughs> I can't guarantee well, that. When you come up with that answer, I'll, I'll give you my answer. <laughs> that's a, that's even know, more difficult to determine on stuff. the ba- below than it is yeah. above. Well, I mean, you look at the Lakers; uh, they're a couple games out of the seventh seed. Um, you know, that that's a big whoa, really. I mean, it's it, yeah, that's true. I mean, they're thirty-seven and twenty-eight. You know, Portland's thirty-six and twenty-nine. I mean, there's not a lot separating one game, and without LeBron. You know, Schroeder's in the protocol for 10, 14 days. And so, you know, a lot of stuff can happen. But can you imagine, uh, you know, if the Jazz fall to two and the Lakers go to seven, a 2-7 first-round matchup? I felt like I was watching a tennis match there, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Can't answer the question. Well, and another answer, it's, a, it's like a house of cards. And if any one card moves, then they all move. True. Yeah, absolutely. I can't argue with that. But my, I maintain the stance, if got to have health. Health can be the great equalizer in so many sports and in really life in general, and we've seen it, and we've seen it in the playoffs. And it always sucks because you go through a long regular season. Whatever sport it is, it's a long regular season, and then to not have all your guys in the postseason, it's just, man, it's just brutal. You know, you don't get the payoff there. And so you want health, but I believe if the Jazz have that health, I don't care who the seventh seed is. Why do I care? Well, I think the Lakers only go to the seventh seed if they don't have their health, right? I guess there's a small chance that they fall to the seventh seed because they're not healthy, and then just as they get healthy, LeBron wins this, comes back, he's healthy, and they win the seven eight game, and so they're at full health. That that seems like a pretty narrow window to shoot. If they're seven, they're probably not healthy. And if LeBron comes back in the next game and starts playing well, well then they're probably going to be fifth or sixth anyway. Yeah, and I would think that, uh, that that's the one intrigue I'll give you in this. I don't need to see a 10th seed or a 10th place team, seven games under 500, get more chances to suck. <laughs> but I do think the intrigue, and it's sort of unintended, really. Maybe it was intended. I'm not sure. I don't know. I haven't spoken to any of these people who've done this. But to the rather than who's going to finish 10th and slide into that spot I don't give a crap it's not a good team either way the intrigue and we're seeing it in the complaining is the teams that are 6th and possibly falling to 7th that's where the intrigue is and those teams 
not tanking and having a greater uh, uh, sense of urgency. That's where I'm most intrigued in this playoff thing that they got going on. That's what has captured my interest far more than if I get to see more Zion Williamson shoved in my face. I don't care about that. They've had all these games, and they're 10th out of 16th, and you made the playoffs? Let's give everybody a trophy and an orange slice here. This is getting ridiculous. The intrigue, and that's why Cuban and LeBron have come out and complained against it, is the 6th and 7th place team. Because it's too happenstance once you get in that spot. Of course you want to have four opportunities to win and four opportunities to lose rather than one or two. It's too much can happen in that. An off night, a missed free throw, who knows what. A foul trouble, any number of things could lead to an early exit when you're in that dropping from that 6 to 7. So of all the things that have happened on this, I think everybody is they're missing the point. If you want intrigue, that's the intrigue. Because the 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 ninth and tenth place teams, you don't hear them saying, "Oh, this is a joke. Why do we have this? I should be taking it easy and getting ready for summer vacation." But now I got to play hard. No one's saying that. But what you're hearing people complaining at the top side of this new deal. That's where the intrigue is, and that's what makes it as far more fun because you have quality teams. Dallas. When they're good, they're pretty doggone good. You've got an all-NBA player there, and we need we don't need to speak to the Lakers. They'd speak for themselves. That's where the intrigue is. So I would think that whoever those two teams are, if it's let's say it's Dallas and the Lakers and it stays like that, those teams are going to try to ball out the rest of the way because they don't want to get in that seventh spot. Absolutely true. And I think the complaining that we've heard from Cuban – the complaining that we've heard from Luka Doncic, the complaining we've now heard from LeBron James, you know, those are three pretty prominent people in the NBA, and none of them want any part of that seven. Five, six is way more valuable than seven. Whoever people want the damn. I need to be fired. <laughs> people, people want that time off, and the five and the six time off to get your get your team healthy, especially in the case of the Lakers who have championship experience and you know they were winning two out of three games for a pretty good chunk of the season and now what are they nine and I think there's something like nine and 15 in their last 24 because of injuries they, they, yeah. they wouldn't be in this mix that's probably in, in the Mavericks it's not to the same degree but they're probably looking at the Porzingis injuries although he's hurt a lot and saying well we we'd be a little better and we wouldn't be in this mix with the Blazers and the Lakers if we were healthy so yeah. it's bad enough that you drop there but if you feel like you drop there because of injuries, then you're really bitter. And that's what we're hearing. And most of them have been because when they're healthy, those are pretty good teams. And when they're on, when you've got a player the the caliber of uh, Doncic and obviously LeBron, you you have shots. Every game you play, I mean, you have shots to win. There's no doubt. You're not going to win them all. You're probably going to lose a fair amount. But you have a chance to win because that player is just that good and can dictate so much of the outcome. Yeah, that's everybody who keeps talking about the bottom end, they got it all wrong. Who cares what Washington is doing? No, it's the fact that these teams are trying to avoid the six and seven, six from seven spot almost at all costs. That's where they hit the bonus. That, and those teams are already in, most likely. I mean, they could fall uh, depending on uh, going forward for, for years to come. That's why I think they should keep it. It's because the race to get out of 7th, not to get in at 10th, 
gives a crap about that? I, I just don't care. No, the race to get out of seventh, that's where it is. So get, get, you're, you're tight with Locke, and he likes to pump this stuff up. Tell him that's what he needs to be saying. I think he, he did won. say it when he was on with us. We can go back and pull the bite, but I think he said that it gave value. You know, the top, the top two want two rounds of home court, and three and four want to make sure they have first-round home court, but five and six want to make sure they avoid the playoffs. Seven and eight want to give themselves at least two chances to get through this play-in. Better to be seven, eight than nine, ten. You know, you only have to win one out of two as opposed to having to win two out of two, which is what nine and ten do. So, Well, you're rewarding teams that are good, not rewarding teams that are crappy. And so what we have is fewer teams completely shutting it down. Oklahoma City has shut it down. That's why they lost by 57 and were down by 60 or 65 or whatever it was to the Pacers. They've shut it down. The Houston Rockets, who the Jazz are going to see on Saturday, Houston Rockets shut it down. Shut it down. Do they have any? Who do they have to shut down? <laughs> That's what they did. They gutted their roster. Both those teams gutted their roster. But we don't. Yeah, but that was well before the playoffs. It was. Race. But we don't need ten teams like that rolling around in the NBA. Fully a third of the NBA not trying to compete. And whether they not they don't try to compete because they just strip their roster down with trades, or because they tell guys you're not playing the last dozen yeah, games of the year. You can say that. And Houston Astros did it, and then they won a World Series. So. I mean, the Jazz did it. Come on here. But don't we want, and if it works for your team, that's great. But on the whole, as a league, wouldn't you rather have two or four teams doing it rather than eight or ten teams doing it? Because the Spurs are trying now. It depends on what you want to spin. What what would the Spurs be doing if they were tanking? I mean, what? Letting DeMar DeRozan have the rest of the year off. Well, so they let him have him off the other night. There's yep. still so if you buy tickets to that game and Demar Derozan isn't playing, it doesn't matter. Do you care he's playing in the next game? They sort of are tanking. Demar Derozan is resting, resting for what? The Jazz, because it was the more winnable game, but they didn't get it. They didn't even come close to getting it. Why is the why? Yeah, I guess with the Jazz without Mitchell, yeah, or, right? Uh, because they knew that Mitchell wasn't playing and Conley wasn't playing. Great. And so if you bought tickets to the Spurs in a regular game, a regular year, and would they have tickets available? I don't know what tech. I think Texas has a Republican governor, so they're open. Uh, so if you bought tickets to that game, that is tanking to you, and you—that was the only game you could go see. And you go, and Pirtle and Demar are not playing. Demar's probably. Arguably, at least, if not actually without an argument, your best player, and he didn't play. What do you call that? Resting? What, what is resting, in a sense? Try to you give can... yourself the best chance to win the next night, as opposed to not Good. competing for the last 10 to 15 games Great, of the and season. you bought tickets to that game. Well, I understand that they believe that they have a better chance to beat the Jazz. Great, and I just spent 150 bucks, and my best guy isn't playing. Come on. What difference does that make to you? You're not the casual fan here, the common dude. I am. I look out for my brothers and sisters. You know, I didn't come from college educations. And so those folks, they had to save money, and he doesn't play that game because they think they have a better chance? And they start doing it in friggin' October? Holy cow. Holy cow. That's Good grief, where it is. as you would say on the air. We know what you would say off the air. Bleep, bleep, bleep. I'm Joe Bleep and Ingalls crossed with Jerry Bleep and Sloan. But on the air, good grief. 
So By the way, Joe Ingles so is now good. in Jerry Sloan territory. Yes! So good. You are, you're an expert. I, some backs, I just sit back and marvel. Admire my genius. The kingdom you have created. It's just... <laughs> the kingdom I have created. Yes. 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 Absolutely. What is that? Some like man. Star Wars planet? I really... May the fourth be with you. Thank well, you. Yeah. Very timely. Well, actually, Very timely, right? Actually, if instead of the fourth with you, it's the first and the fifteenth that are with you. <laughs> He's referring to the first and the fifteenth planets from the sun. I am referring to paychecks. Oh! And, and Yak, why does Sniggy live in Utah? Why does Sniggy live in Utah? Yeah, live in Utah for the paychecks. Yak can't find it. I'll just say it. Don't worry, Yak. I had to get to the Take the page. day off. I know. I legitimately have, it, I have an entire page built for your drops. I'll fake the drops for you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's not faking. You spoke from the heart. You saved a school 600 grand? That's the wrong one. Because you already did the other one. That's not what he called for. You already did the other one, though. So. All hail PK. <laughs> make that a drop. Uh, where am I going? <laughs> I'm going to hail. <laughs> San Bernardino. Uh, so I just, I appreciate this stuff at the top end because the Laker had, the Laker game was a fun game to watch, even though, you know, guys weren't playing. Understandably, if LeBron tweaked his ankle, so be it. Yeah. I mean, I can't argue that. And obviously Jamal Murray's out there with crutches. So we understand his, and PJ Dozier, they had to take him off. He's moved in the starting lineup, so I don't know if not that he's a big time player by any stretch, but the Nuggets don't seem to be getting any breaks here. And no, I mean it, it, if he's your second string guy, but he's playing well, well but then he goes down. He's starting now. now you're well, yeah, but because of Jamal Murray, right? He's taking some of and those Barton. minutes and and Barton, I think yeah, maybe more. And so, so you Barton. just keep like now you if you lose your top two guys at a position, now you play your third and fourth guys, and you know if if Forrest comes in and plays well like he has for the Jazz, then. Okay, that helps you get through you know, these last couple of games. That's good. Uh, but how much can you count on that in the long run? You know, you need, Against you need a better competition when you get there, yeah, sure. Right. And I think that's, that's clearly why the Nuggets lost. Yep. I mean, they're, 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 they're limping down the stretch here uh, big time, and that's a shame because you play all these regular season games. You'd like to see everybody at health. But when it comes to the Jazz, take who you may, man. I mean, if you end up, you pro- what I see happening is no worse than two. I think we most of us I would think, agree with that. I right? think what happened last night really, it, it was a pretty narrow path for the Nuggets to get there, but they had a shot. You know, they were within three, and they could move within two on Friday. Maybe they get some help along the way. But instead it goes the other way, and now the Jazz are up by four games with seven to go. If the Jazz yeah. go four and three, the Nuggets can go undefeated, and the Jazz win the Northwest Division and don't drop below the two seed. So four and three doesn't seem like that much, and I don't know that the Nuggets are going undefeated the rest of the way. If they lose one, the Jazz only have to go three and four. Who doesn't take two seed in health? Gosh, I don't at the care start who of the at year. Seven. At the start of the year, everybody would have signed off on that. Nobody was considering the one seed at the start of the year. I wasn't. I thought two was top end. I, I really believe two. I think I said that numerous times. And you, put, you pushed for it. I wouldn't commit to it because of the Lakers and Clippers. I thought if everything else went right, they could get to three. And yet here are the Jazz and Suns. Jazz are one now because they're half game up on the Suns, who are two. And they, these two teams have been trading one and two back. Yeah, and the Suns play now. Cleveland tonight. So and then a back to back, they got to go to Atlanta. I think Atlanta's a tough team. 
Yeah, Atlanta's a, especially Atlanta's on the second team. on the second night of a road road back to back. Yeah, I think Atlanta's to... like six games above five hundred. They're like thirty six and thirty. Well, not only that, they had the uh, coaching change. And when we talk yeah, about you know McMillan coach of the year, McMillan taking over. I mean, they they went from terrible, they were terrible. Okay, and, and now sure, they're yeah, they're yeah. It was the fourteen and twenty. They were six games under five hundred at one point to now yeah, six uh, over. Are they? Yeah, thirty six and thirty, aren't they? I don't, yes. I'm not looking at it, but I yeah, thought I that's what I saw they, last night. They are. So uh, that means they're yeah. 22 and 10 in the last 32 games. That's a really good pace. It is. I think what's going to happen is the Jazz and Suns are going to finish tied, and the Suns will get it by get virtue on the of the sweep. Yeah. And as long as the Jazz have their health and Conley can play every playoff game between 25 and 30 minutes a game, I take it. And I don't care. Steph Curry, uh, Del Curry, you, whatever Curry you want there. I don't care who it is. Uh, he can, they can be there. I went to high school with the Tom Curry. He can come back and play. He wasn't a basketball player. Good dude, though. He had a car, and I was way younger. I didn't turn 16 until December of my junior year, so I had to pick off people who I could use for transportation, and Tom Curry was one of them. So, uh, you know be able to use that you know because if, if you can't get stuff from your friends what's the point of having friends you know, that's the way i look at it uh, so wait repeat that again <laughs> if you can't get stuff from your friends it's like what's the point of having it's like my mother used to say money loves money and it's the truth money loves money man it does money hangs with money money runs in the same circles and it just gets uh, regurgitated uh, back and forth, right? You know, poor people run with poor people. Uh, that's just that's just the way it is. Uh, we can go back and forth in this country, but uh, it's all about uh, socioeconomical situations there. So I don't care who the seventh place team is. Steph Curry, he's a phenomenal player, having a phenomenal run. But all of a sudden, I'm supposed to be afraid of a 500 Warriors team. Because if I'm afraid of a 500 Warriors team, then I'm pretty much running afraid of everybody. Yep. The goal is, theoretically, (laughs) to finish in these top two spots, get an easy first-round series, and then win a tough second-round series, and now you're in a conference final. And if you're doing something you haven't done in 14 years, there's literally nobody who in this organization will be left from that. You know, and... Not, not in the front office, not in the coaching staff, certainly not amongst the players. It's a, it's a high watermark for this group. And that okay. seems like the most likely path to be there. So you want an easy first-round series? Then go freaking beat them four or five games. Yep. And that's if you want it easy, go make it easy because no one's going to make it easy for you. That's the way you have to look at it. There's, if I want to succeed in life, there's not going to be an easy path. And it's not going to be worth it if it is an easy path anyway. If well, you want that's... something, you got to work hard. Because if you don't, if you get it easy, what do you do? You don't appreciate it as much, and you take off with a bunch of sick days and all this other stuff because it was basically handed to you. Come on, look around. We don't see that. But it's not handed to them. This is the difference between this and the four Jazz teams that have gone to the playoffs in previous years. They've always been in the 4-5 series. Well, once they're in the 3-6. They didn't have home court. Okay, once they're in the bubble and there was no home court. But you get the point. They set themselves up in these 4-5 and 3-6 series to play really good teams, and it made it harder. A couple times they prevailed. A couple times they didn't. 
but you set yourself up as a one or two seed, you've earned it. You've earned the easier first-round matchup. Now, maybe it'll be the Lakers at seventh who suddenly get healthy for game one, so it may not play out that way, but on paper, it ought to. And I think it will. It usually because does. I think that the Lakers are going to turn it on. And maybe you do get Dallas in that second round. But, I mean, excuse me, the first round. Uh, so be it. You get Dallas in the first round. What do you want? You, you want Sacramento all three rounds? You're not going to get Sacramento all three <laughs> rounds. 12th place. We're gone. Good night, everybody. See you yeah. later, Kings. No, right now it's Lakers, Mavericks, Blazers, Warriors, Grizzlies. There's literally five teams that could end up number seven. And they all have one level of talent uh, versus another. I mean, I think that they all have some very good players virtually on all those teams. So uh, do I view if it's the Lakers? Yeah. I mean, they scare you the most. I get that because they've got the king. Uh, No no pun intended. I mean, he just is that good when he's healthy. He still is. I still believe in him. But everybody else, they've all got very good players. I mean, they don't have enough of them to contend for the top, but they all are dangerous. So what's the difference? DJ PK, when we come back, everything you missed in this show, the Jazz and the Spurs, Ryan Abraham, uscfootball.com joining us, USC playing both Utah and BYU this year. We'll get you up to speed next. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. In the Zone Sports Network. Levert tried to answer back with a three out front. No. Westbrook all the way up court. The Beal to the basket. Touchdown. Bacon score. Right hand. Touchdown. And Bradley Beal gives a touchdown signal with his arms. Wing his left elbow. Tentative move to JTA. Quick pass to Draymond over to Curry. Curry fires away right side. Knocks down a triple. Now finds Carmelo Anthony. He's in front of Gallinari. Crosses over. Now pulls up. Three pointer. Buries it. And the foul. Carmelo Anthony, the Hall of Famer, has just passed Elvin Hayes for 10th place on the all time NBA scoring list. Lakers working the clock. Orton Tucker, Davis, here he goes, leans in, got it! Big bucket by AD! Highlights from around the NBA, the games that really matter to Jazz fans in that mix. The Jazz beating the Spurs, and the Lakers beating the Nuggets. 93-89, LeBron James' ankle isn't right, he's played two games, they lost them both, so he sits down, and the team wins. Anthony Davis goes for 25 points, and... The Jazz are now four games in front of the Nuggets, four games in front of the Clippers, only seven games left in the season. So if you're worried about the Jazz dropping to third or fourth, mathematically it happened, but it seems really unlikely after last night's results. Yeah, I do. And that's good. I don't want them to finish lower than second, obviously. Well, they're set up now. If they go four and three, they'll be in the top two. They go 4-3 and three down the stretch. They do have to play the Nuggets on Friday, but even if they lose that, uh, you know, you got the Rockets. We got the Spurs before that game and the Rockets after, so if you win those two games, you ought to be in good shape. 
Do you care that uh, Carmelo Anthony is now a top 10 scorer all time? Well, that's what he's done. That's why he's made millions. Yep. All right. And so when you bring him onto your team uh, and you don't like the way he plays, well, who's that on? (laughs) He's been doing this for a number of years. So I think in the right situation, you know, he could have been on more winning teams. It's hard for me to crack on him individually. He, you know exactly what you're getting. Uh, but he's not capable of leading his team anywhere if he's the best player. But yet he's going to be in the Hall of Fame because of just statistics. Yes. You know. I think he'll go in. Don't you? Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. as a top 10 scorer, I would expect he goes in. And it's going to be because of statistics and longevity. It's not going to be because of winning. And basketball is the one sport that I think that should winning, that not completely override statistics because right now, and I don't know what's going to happen, but it doesn't look like Damian Lillard is going to be playing in the NBA Finals anytime soon. But does that take away from his greatness? It doesn't really. Uh, yeah, but you judge it, you judge the six foot to six two player differently than you judge the guys who are six six and six ten. There's the expectation, and there's the history. Is that, that with or without the afro? That a lot of guys with or without the afro in the six six to six ten range. Thank you, Fletch. The six six to six ten range can dominate the game and can win. And there's. Uh, just an expectation that as a six foot to six two guy, you're pretty good and you can win some. But man, if you're not surrounded by the right team, how far are you going? And there's some guys in that range who are Hall of Famers who didn't win championships. Some of them may not have even gotten to the finals, and yet yeah, sure. we still recognize them as just excellent players. Well, Nash never got to the finals. Yeah, yeah, Nash never got there. You're right. But do you look at Nash and Stockton? I mean, those guys yeah. contribute greatly to winning that go beyond the stats. It's right. not, and they all they both have great stats. You know, stats are nice and important. But what did you do to help your team win? You know, and I think that's where Carmelo comes up a little bit shy. But when you bring him on your team, you know what he's going to do. So this is what he does, and he does it well. So is it really his fault? How much of a responsibility is it on him? And he played in an era that was different. You know, what would he be doing if he came, if he was 22 years old now and just beginning his career, how much different would his game look like? Interesting question. Would he have extended his range to shoot the three better? Because that's the thing. He's deadly 15 to 20 feet, but from three, he's just not that efficient. You know, 35%. For a career, that's not awful, but it's not elite. It's certainly not elite. Obviously, it's not elite. No, and he played in an era in which illegal defense was prominent and pounding the ball into the mm-hmm. hardwood and isolation and all that stuff. And to the league's credit, they realized, okay, I mean, we got the world's best athletes and having two or three of them just stand on the opposite side watching somebody pound it and back it down for 10 seconds, that's pretty boring. That doesn't highlight the natural abilities and the work that these guys, they have natural ability, but a lot of them have it, sure, for sure. But I also believe they've also worked like dogs, too, to hone that skill. So you combine that, and then we're having guys stand around. So he played in an era that, even though he's still an active player, and obviously he's at the tail end, the game has changed so dramatically from the time he came into the league to when the time he goes out of the league. And I think it's changed for the better. Yeah, all true. It has changed, and it has changed for the better. 
Uh, a couple other things we, we hit on. Uh, digital viewing is getting closer and closer. It's already here, depending on what sport you're watching, at what level. Uh, but for the biggest sports, Thursday night football. The NFL announcing Amazon Prime Video is going to go to the digital-only format in 2022. So Fox will have the Thursday night games this year, but next year it'll be streaming with over-the-air viewing in the two local markets of the teams that are playing. So there'll still be that out there. But the future's coming, PK, and we're going to be paying the sports we care about. Maybe the NFL itself will be spread out across four or five different digital platforms. You'll be paying a lot of... A lot of different people to get the sports you want, as opposed to loathing just one specific cable or satellite company you're writing a big check to, which is what people have had to do for the last 20 or 30 years. Yeah, and it's going to just see how it is and what you want, what you can afford, and all that stuff. Uh, I'm sort of stuck. I like having the option of the Diamondbacks, which means I have to have direct to have the Fox package that I pay I can't get it through the extra innings or the baseball package, so I wonder where I'm going to be. But I pay a ton for my, for for stuff because I feel like I need the Pac-12 network. So I freaking got two different systems. I got that for work, and that that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh, I told you the story that Brian Dunseth, who I do the RSL games with, and he's got a satellite radio show five days a week, and so he's got to follow a bunch of soccer yeah, leagues. He's all in, yeah, and he's yeah. paying. Well, he's, he's got to follow five different. I don't know if he's trading with somebody or what. I'm not checking his bills. But I suppose there'll be some of that, and I suppose companies will try to crack down on that. Because certainly, you know, Yak, you'll be wanting to watch a bunch of stuff, and your dad will want to watch stuff, and then you got siblings and, you know, the brothers-in-law. and So, oh, I'll get this one, you get that one. Oh, trade that. Yeah, there'll be a lot of that going no, on. It's not, it's not when, it's already happening. Right. Yeah. So it'll be interesting, you know, if you want to watch the Jazz, will you have one? But if you want to watch the NBA playoffs, do you have to have another? And then if you want to watch the Utes Utes or the Cougars, well, it's going to change. They're at the end of an old contract, and it'll be different in the new one, I expect. Um, And then do you want to watch the NFL? And so some of these will probably overlap. You know, it looks like ESPN's going to own a bunch of stuff going forward. Uh, But Amazon's getting in. That's a new one, you know? So... If you have to have the, the Fox, NBC, CBS, and ESPN service and need Amazon, like, how many of these do people want to pay for? How many can they afford to pay for? It's going to be a headache going forward. Nobody likes change, and this is going to be change that hits us in the pocketbook. Well, a change, a change will do you good. Well, certainly doing the NFL good. They're getting a big old check for it, so there's that. And then uh, baseball, Dustin May. We've been talking about injuries in basketball. I think you can make the argument that seven of the top eight teams in the West have been hit by significant injuries in the NBA. Only the Suns really seem to be sailing through uh, pretty unscathed. Uh, And then you look at baseball and the Dodgers, the overwhelming favorite to win it all. But they got pitchers going down left and right. And Dustin May, Tommy John surgery. So he's out for all of this season, and he's probably going to be out for – a big chunk of next season, maybe even all of it. We'll have to see how that plays out. We do, yeah. Brutal. But they still got pitching. They're not completely out. They've just taken some hits. I guess the Padres have taken hits too, so. 
it happens. It's going it's going to happen again. Ryan Abraham, USC Football, joining us to uh, uscfootball.com. He's owner and publisher of that. Join us as SC looks ahead. Uh, they've got to play Utah midseason. Uh, I think it's game six right before they get their bye week and go to Notre Dame. And they play BYU for the 12th and final game of the year. What level, uh, after listening to Ryan, what level of confidence do you have in USC's ability to be USC and be awesome? Or do you think they're 9-3 and three and vulnerable? Well, I think 9-3 and three is pretty good. Uh, I think that uh, there's a, a couple of teams that uh, have an opportunity. I think as uh, Utah and ASU have chances to beat those teams. Uh, I can't remember where the uh, – the, I guess the Utes would get them down there since the Trojans right. did come up here this season. Yep. Uh, in, in that crazy season uh, that we had last season. season. But, yeah, I think that – they are right there. They're not. I, I wouldn't necessarily view them as the overwhelming favorite, but when you're bringing in some a bunch of new guys that I haven't seen play, you know, and and so many of them are highly touted. Some of them are going to come through. Now, this Foreman kid should be a beast. Uh, I think that defensive end normally that translates. If you're really good in high school, you're really good in the college game. So I think defensively they're probably going to be okay. You know, if the offensive line can hold up. And see what they got there, and uh, Slovis has to stay healthy because they did bring in the other kid, did blow out his knee in the spring game, and then you got two first-year freshmen backing him up. That's not ideal at all, so they have to make sure that uh, Slovis gets rid of the ball and is not touched whatsoever. All right, DJ PK, when we come back, your feedback, stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Time for your feedback, everything you think about this show. You've been tweeting at us, and I said, how nice is it to put a whooping on the Spurs? PK put that up on our Facebook page. I put it out on Twitter, PK. Got 14 likes. I assume that that's just a simple, yeah, that was nice. Do that again. I enjoyed that. Uh, Cruz says, they're one of a handful of teams I'll always stress about playing. Pop has always had them playing tough and grinding out victories. It's nice to not feel like an automatic loss, though. So that's that Jazz fan you referenced earlier in the show. There is still uh, some of the leftover feelings from losing to Tim Duncan for uh, a couple decades. What do you think of the way uh, Greg looks that he should go on tour with Crosby, Stills, and Nash? So it's funny you throw that out there. Uh, they took a shot at him, and I thought this multiple times. They haven't put it out on Twitter, but with the Jazz game and more people seeing the long, flowing COVID white hair, I guess he didn't get a haircut and then decided to just go with it. It's like he looks like a movie character, but he looks like a lot, and then you go to music too. and So he looks like some famous people. Who does he look like? People really took that and ran with it. There were so many responses. The first thing with the white hair, I, I just thought Doc from Back to the Future. But people were sending me stuff from uh, Lord of the Rings. He looks like a 110, 111-year-old Bilbo. And uh, he looks like Gandalf. And then there was Tales of the Crypt. That one, uh, Ben Anderson, who comes on our show, covers the jazz at KSL.com, put that uh, gif out there in response. And it got a ton of likes. I'm not Tales from the Crypt guy, but, man, the people who are, they were all about it. And it just, it just went on and on, and you just added to it. <laughs> <laughs> the game wasn't that competitive, so it was something for people to get into. I think he should. You know, I don't know if he plays an instrument, but at least you, know, you can give him a mic along those other three guys, and you don't even have to have his mic live. And he can just sing and just kind of sway. Teach your children well. <laughs> It got a lot of uh, a lot of people said President Snow from the Hunger Games. 
one guy sent in, well, he looks like Tony Blair currently, the former <laughs> the former prime minister of England. Uh, There's all all kinds of stuff thrown out there. It was uh, the old dude from Poltergeist at the screen door. That one came up again. So, Oh, yeah, I think that's definitely who he looks like. Uh, he looks like Hulk Hogan. He doesn't have the Fu Manchu mustache, but other than that. Uh, he looks like Hulk Hogan. No, he's, yeah. he had to be big. Uh, James, uh, James Brigham says, uh, James Brigham Han says, uh, he'll always be the Wizard of Oz to me. And he's got he's got a clip from the movie there, so. There's a million of them. A lot of Donald Sutherland ones out there. So, People running with that. Uh, Devin says it's nice to take care of business against bottom of the playoff teams like San Antonio and Memphis, and I expect the Jazz to do it again tomorrow. Um, I think they should win, yeah. It won't be as easy, though, because the back-to-back was a factor, you think. You think it was a factor, though, because it was right from the get-go. We've seen a lot of teams come in here and run out of gas in the second half, middle well, of third quarter. This was – they took yeah, it right the, to them. The Jazz didn't – they had a full tank. They did. So I think it was more about the Jazz. And then the Spurs are mentally beaten mm. rather than – So will that happen again Wednesday? The Spurs are mentally beaten and the Jazz again I, with a day off at home. Well, Jazz come got out. a couple of wins, you know, and I think this group wants to show. This group is hungry. This group that right now, minus the two guys – because uh, I think they all understand what's at stake. And so go ahead and beat these teams that you should have a decent chance to beat. And I think they were embarrassed Friday night. That game was never competitive in Phoenix. Phoenix just took it to them yep. right from the start. They, I, mean, they literally, I, I stopped watching the game. Didn't need to see it. Nothing was going to change. They weren't no. coming back. Right. And so, you know, it was uh, butt-whipping there. So... You know, they've got some guys, and, and I think that individually, you want to play well. You want to get on a roll. I can remember sitting in the Jazz locker room and having Hornacek tell me, you know, the last 10 games, you really, really want to hone in. And so they don't have their guys right now, all their guys, but the guys that they do have individually want to play well. And I love the defensive effort the last two games. And there's no reason why that can't continue. Um, I mean, they really locked down Toronto in the second half. And last night I thought that they were strong the entire game. And so with that, you know, that gives you an opportunity to win ball games. You make a few shots and you're good to go. So why can't that be recreated? It's not like I look at their uh, game against the Spurs and they go, wow, man, that guy said career games or season games or hot streaks. Not, not really. They they did what they're all capable of doing. Living in SLC says, I think I'm one of the uh, fans, much more realistic. I know the Jazz are a good team this season. The occasional losses are just a loss. They're still a good team. And I can also admit when the Jazz foul, LOL. <laughs> <laughs> well, he knows there's some Jazz fans get a little worked up during games. Foul. He sees Twitter. <laughs> that wasn't a foul. These refs are terrible. The league is fixed. Everybody's against us. Okay, you might have fouled at some point. And if the league were against you, Carl Malone wouldn't have shot the most free throws in oh, NBA really? history. Uh, you know, <laughs> the phrase, it is what it is, I think that applies to refereeing probably yep. most accurately. Uh, and you voice some frustration, but don't get caught up. I think that's what Dennis Lindsay was trying to say last year about Rudy Gobert. You know, complain in the moment, but do it as you're busting back. If, you, if it should be on offense or whenever it is or in a dead ball situation. But don't let it dominate your thoughts, man, because then it's a distraction and you don't want that. And, you know, let the coach handle that. Or 
you know, maybe a captain. I don't even know if Jazz have a captain or whatever. Uh, try to concentrate on what you can control, those types of cliche things. And, and I don't have any problems saying stuff to referees because I think that's part of the game, particularly for the coaches. But don't let it overwhelm you to where it becomes uh, a negative influence as far as winning the game. Scotty and Hands are coming up next. We'll talk to you tomorrow from 6 to 10 on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.